live stream. I am your host, Lev Polyakov, and we are here to have a friendly debate about young Earth creationism. And we have got with us today a wonderful panel. You all know and love uh, Neil, Gnostic Informant, a uh, great guest of BTR. Recently, we had a wonderful stream with uh, Jason Rizajorjani, which I look forward to uh, sharing with all of you guys. Sorry, not stream recording. This is like a professional three-camera setup. You guys have never seen anything like it before. It's going to blow your minds. And we also have with us David of Catholics, like it's called CVS, but it's Catholic Versus, Catholic Versus podcast, which I had the great pleasure of being on. Uh, and uh, we found out about each other through uh, Sticks Hex and Hammer 666, whose house uh, you came over to. And uh, that was a very interesting uh, way of getting introduced. And I think that it's very fateful that we should be talking about this right now. We are talking about something that, uh, you know, it's a very um, it's a very strange but interesting uh, subject to me, like how life came about, what exactly we are. And I just want to dive right into it. But first, ask uh, David here, how did you come to be in your Christian uh, background today and have the kind of views that you have? And then we're going to kick it on over to Neil. Everybody, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. So, David, go ahead, man. Thank you very much for having me, uh, Lev. It's a pleasure. It was a pleasure meeting you, having you on my show, and really happy to be here. And uh, yeah, I'll just give the really quick version of my uh, my journey. You know, I was born and raised Protestant, and was very happy with that Christian upbringing up until the age of fourteen. When I had a dream about Jesus, it was a beautiful, friendly dream when Jesus waved to me. But when I woke up, uh, I knew it was counterintuitive. But I knew that I was no longer a Christian, I was no longer a monotheist, I was an atheist. And it was very counterintuitive, I knew it was, but for the next 25 years I was an atheist, I was doing, you know, dabbling with all kinds of worldviews and, you know, uh, was a nice guy agnostic for a long time, I was a hardcore atheist at certain points, and I became, uh, you know, went down different rabbit holes, I became uh, an atheistic Satanist uh, just before my conversion in 2009 to, uh, to God and religion. Wow. And I was also, uh, which is even more shocking, much more shocking, I became a hard solipsist, which means that I thought I was the only being, a disembodied mind, that I was basically I was God, the God of Buddhism, you know, that kind of God. Um, yeah. But uh, that didn't last too long because that was a very, 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 very dark experience. So, uh, yeah, I came to God and then uh, I reluctantly chose uh, Christianity just because I didn't feel worthy of being a Jew. Calling myself a Jew seemed fake. Um, and uh, I didn't believe in Muhammad or the Quran. Um, and, but I hated Christianity, but I sort of just caved in and said, okay, I'll, I'll be Christian. And I, I just by happenstance, I met a, a Catholic monk and he invited me into his monastery because, because I approached him and asked him, can you teach me about this God that I've just discovered the God of monotheism? So long story short, uh, 2009, I became a uh, Roman Catholic and I'm very, 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 very happy to be a Catholic. I never believed, I never believed even as an atheist, I never believed that I was an ape or a fish or anything else. I never believed the story. The nonsense story of, of evolution. No offense to those of you who do believe it. Um, I never believed it, even as an atheist. So it's not that shocking that uh, when I found out about special creation, you know, that I that I accepted it. So just that's my be, story. Just to be clear, when you're talking about creation, what is the amount of time that you would give uh, from creation to now? Well, uh, I think it's. Uh, six or seven thousand years seven thousand two hundred and fifty years or something like that i don't know the number it's like roughly uh, 
the under church ten thousand, like under twelve thousand years, something like that. Yeah, John Skillitzes, the church historian from the Byzantines, has four thousand and four BC as the day okay. of Adam's. Yeah, it's something 6, like years that. Ago. It's something like that. I'm not that married to any particular sure. date, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's like I, I don't want to go much past uh, ten thousand. Me, ten thousand and six thousand makes no difference compared to billions of years. So <laughs> exactly. it doesn't matter. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah. By the way, David, can you get a little bit closer to your mic yes. just so your guys' audio yeah, is a. A little bit quieter re- relative to oh, Neil. Okay. Yeah, but it's all good. Yeah, just closer to the mic. So uh, so uh, I would start uh, with uh, Neil now. Neil, now that you have heard what David said as far as the uh, timeline goes, what would be uh, your thoughts? Uh, let me know what you think. Well, we didn't um, get to introduce Neil in his worldview. What's going on? Well, I mean, we, we know like Gnostic Informant on BTR. He's a regular here, but for those who don't know him. I'll, give has... a, I'll go a quick run. Yeah, now, yeah. Just to match it up. Yeah. I actually was the opposite grew up catholic got baptized confirmed you know all that stuff did the whole nine went through the whole process and then skedaddled out never went back um and had a lot of ups and downs in my life um went through prison system for a little bit had a uh, period of about 10 years in the 2010s rough that whole decade gone wasted but you look good you look so pretty yeah I, I made it out i made it out alive and fresh and uh, I'm good. And my brain's still somewhat active. I'm a, I'm okay. I'm not like completely brain dead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah. Um, so then I started. But you know, I actually part of being like locked in, and the only thing you can do is read. And I never was a reader until I started going in and out of prisons and rehabs and stuff. Um, actually, you mentioned sticks. There's a couple of books that I have. And I didn't know this was Sticks, but it's the same. He's um, what's his 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 Tarl Warwick. Tarl War, yeah. I got some of his stuff on on alchemy and um, hermeticism, and I was those are some of the first books I was reading. Uh, Jordan Peterson, Carl Jung. So I went deep into the. That's why that's where the Gnostic name comes from. Yeah, I got some here in the back as well in the old library. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's great that Sticks was able to uh, unite both of you guys together. But as yeah, far in as a weird the way, yeah. yeah. But as far as the kind Sticks of things... Sticks was actually my cellmate when I was doing time in the federal prison. No shit. Wow. Oh, I was not going to say, I didn't want to doubt you. <laughs> wow. Mm. Wait, wait, what, what did you go, get, get into prison for? What was your, what was your I thing? Was to... in prison. I was never in prison. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay. It's, well, that would have been such st- a cool backstory, st- though. That still, been stolen so valor. Cool. Stolen yeah. valor. That would have been so cool. Yeah. So, so, so anyway... Um, when it comes to this question of uh, young earth creationism, I know, Neil, you are uh, very knowledgeable when it comes to how it came about. Like, why is it that uh, people uh, believe in okay. that particular date? So maybe that's a good place to start with. Uh, yeah. Let me know what you think. So it's very simple. This is what the church fathers were doing. They went to the genealogy of Luke. And the genealogy of Luke has a genealogy from God to Adam to Seth all the way to Noah, all the way down to Abraham, all the way down to David, all the way down to Zerubbabel, all the way down to Jesus. So this is simple math. Either the Bible's correct or it's not. And when they're obviously they're going to say the Bible's correct. That's their guiding morality that they're presupposing. Fine. So you take all the dates, we take all the ages of these people and when they had their children, which is all in the Bible. All of it is. And then you well, some some of them are like not exact but you can do a range of there's like a it's somewhere between so the, the, the long story short you do the math from jesus to abraham is such and such many years from jesus to noah is like 
2700 BCE, and then you keep going back to Adam, you end up at 4000, or roughly around 4004 BC. That's what John Skillicy's ended up on. There are other estimates that are a little bit different. It's somewhere around 6,000 years old, six to 10,000. I'll, I'll even, for the sake of this argument, I mean, to keep it like fair, I guess, we'll, we can say somewhere between six, we'll even jump it up to 10,000. It doesn't even matter at this point. What I'm saying is um, it's different than what scientists and what archaeologists are saying about rock formations and layers. I don't, I mean, I don't jump ahead. You just wanted to know about how we got to that 6,000, yes. right? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, David, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I <clears throat> I don't really um, care that much about the sort of physical, natural science angle. I really don't care that much about it because, you know, now that I'm a monotheist, I have God and I have miracles and, uh, you know, the wedding at Cana, if you remember the story, I don't know if both of you remember the story sure. or not, but there was a wedding that Jesus and his uh, mother and some disciples went to. And uh, Jesus turned water into wine, famously. And there were six jugs of water, just like the six days of creation. And uh, the people that drank the wine said, hey, this is amazing wine. Why didn't, why didn't you, uh, you know, usually they serve the good wine first. Why did you serve it to us now? And uh, they didn't know that that wine, although it had an apparent history, didn't have a real history. It had only been created by miracle uh, just a few moments before. So um, that's the only angle, really, as uh, from, the, from the theology side, uh, that's the only angle I really bring to bear. So it's sort of a con conversation stopper when talking with a sure. non-monotheist. But there's another angle which is maybe interesting for us to discuss, which is the metaphysics or the philosophical side. So um, I've got the theology, I've got the, the metaphysics and, and philosophy, and I just completely ignore natural science. Now I want to say I did study natural science. I studied physics at university. I've worked in quantum physics. I've published a paper in quantum physics. I've worked in... Uh, astrophysics at the Canadian Space Agency. So I have a deep respect uh, and love for the natural sciences as far as they go, but they do have uh, narrow limitations, narrow limits, and they're built on the axiomatic assumptions of, uh, of metaphysics and philosophy. So I focus on theology and philosophy, and when I'm speaking with a, an atheist, I just focus on metaphysics. So I just want to uh, prepare you for our conversation. It's going to mainly come down to metaphysics. Sure. Um, and so just to get it out the way then, is there something like I, you mentioned evolution being I think I forgot the word you use um, used you know sort of dissed it um what do you, what so when I'm looking at like I'm not an evolutionary biologist so I I'm looking I have to appeal to authorities to and like listen to their arguments and read and like try to understand it and it seems to make sense from my end you know from my presuppositions and where I'm at but from your end when i want to know i'm curious to know like what are you like like i'm looking at like rock, for, the big one for me is layers and rock the, the farther down we go the the less are the the um the older things get and then it sort of co-aligns with how dust settles on top of stuff and over time it just keeps getting and and, and that's how the earth sort of form it formulates and you have like moving plates and all that stuff what what are your thoughts what is it for you what was it do you just do you just outright reject it or do you have reasons in your because yeah, you have reasons I okay have reasons, yeah for example um you know i believe in the flood uh a worldwide catastrophic flood and there are lots of uh there are lots of 
creationist scientists and you know you can make fun of them all you want but you know they're, they're trying to do science and sure. a lot of them are very uh, well reputed and uh, they are marginalized in the community but um you know they're doing science and they're trying to reproduce some of these um observations <clears throat> uh over a shorter time span much shorter shorter time span you know but with these catastrophic flooding conditions and uh, but not only that you know there, there's sort of counter examples that we could just see like a fossilized tree trunk that's uh, going through i can't i can't vouch for this i've just heard people talk about it but allegedly there are these uh, sort of uh, fossils that are going through millions and millions of years of uh, of layers of of history and uh, how is that possible that this one fossil is traversing <laughs> all of these millions of years doesn't make sense right so it but it would make sense from a flood perspective uh, i've got a nice book here actually i should have i should have prepared for the, i never prepare for uh, any of my talks i just freestyle but i should have prepared by at least bringing this book over because it's got pictures of the you know the fossils and the, the sedimentary layers and it's uh, i haven't actually read it yet because i'm just really not that interested in the natural science angle but uh, Gideon Lazar, if you've heard about him, he's a Catholic uh, young earth creationist and he recommended it. So I bought it and I just got it kicking around. But it would have been interesting to sort of go through the pages and see how you respond to uh, their arguments. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of bad science, uh, I think, uh, generally. So I'm very skeptical of the natural sciences. There's good science, there's mediocre science and there's bad science. And there's a lot of bad philosophy that gets sort of sold as science. Uh, a lot of books get sold that way. You know, I think about uh, Stephen Hawking. I think about mm. the big names. Um, and uh, they're, they're, yes, they're including some hard science, some hard facts, and some observations which cannot be refuted or denied reasonably. Mm. But they're also giving a lot of interpretation, a lot of, uh, you know, putting packaging around it. So I, I just want to emphasize with you that, uh, yes, I do love the sciences, but there is a tendency for people to um, put their interpretation and that sometimes get conflated by the non-specialist reader when they go and they read this book and they think oh this is the science now i understand the science well there's a bit of science in there and there's a lot of uh explanation and interpretation so be uh, wary quick, of be, that. Uh, before uh, neil responds the uh route that some people go on is uh like myself looking at people like graham hancock for instance and others who actually point out the uh reverse that the earth okay. is not uh, thousands of years old, but actually it's way older and civilization yeah. is way older than we believe. For example, oh. Graham pointed things out like Gebekli Tepe, for instance, which was uh, intentionally, uh, allegedly buried for thousands and thousands of years and is estimated to be around like 9,000 years old or uh, older, oh, older than that. 10, older than that. 10,000 yeah. BC. Or, or we have examples of people like a uh, geologist Robert Schock who took a look at the uh, weathering on the Sphinx, and he also gave this blindly, like without telling other geologists what exactly this thing is, and they also agreed with him, and the only conclusion that he could come to is that the reason why the weathering is there is because the Sphinx must have been built something crazy like 14,000 years ago or something like that, like many, many years ago, much, uh, you know, much longer than mainstream archaeologists. Uh, say the Sphinx was built. And so a lot of mainstream archaeologists don't like people like Graham Hancock no, and others no. who talk about these ancient civilizations because it's very risky for their careers, much like, David, you were talking about mainstream science not wanting yeah, certain yeah, things out yeah. there. But again, like their perspective is like, hey, this is actually much older and your perspective is no, it's actually much newer, but you're rejecting anything having to do with actually doing research only going by the scriptures. And I understand that's your position, but I want to narrow down, like, why is that your position? 
Well, because I, I, I see a hierarchy in the sciences. I see God as science itself, knowledge, wisdom itself, big S science, and then theology underneath him, and then philosophy underneath that, and then underneath that is the natural sciences, and then beneath that you've got social sciences and other different stuff down from there. And it's, it's no secret that the natural sciences depend for their existence <laughs> on philosophy. They cannot get off the ground without making some axiomatic assumptions, so the self-evident principles. And it's those principles of right reason that allow us to understand that evolution theories, all of them, are untenable. They're all philosophically untenable just because of a handful of principles. The principle of sufficient reason, the principle of proportionate causality, and even the principle of causality itself. These all undermine uh, the the claims of uh, of all evolution theories, and I, you know, my least favorite one is theistic evolution, just because it's like they're going to invoke miracles at every step. It's just like no, 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 please don't do that, because it's kind of like a hybrid between the atheistic materialistic worldview and Christianity. Like no, don't compromise, don't water it down. Like like if you're going to be Christian, be Christian. If you're going to be an atheistic materialist, do that. Pick a lane. You know? I agree with that so, one. Yeah. Huh? I agree with that you, one. <laughs> Wait, but in terms of picking a lane, though, you're talking about evolution. I want to set yeah. evolution aside for a moment and okay. specifically focus on the young Earth part of yeah. young Earth creation. Can I say something about the young Earth sure. thing? Um, sure. Okay, I think that I think a bigger, I think a better place to start probably would be the flood because that's when the world starts over. According, I mean, let me ask David: Do you, do you think the world started over, or there was a local flood? What is your position on that? Global catastrophic. Flood okay. and eight survivors. No okay, cool. More, no less. So eight, eight, the population in the world, and let's do a rough. I mean, I did the math myself using the Bible. I came up to twenty four seventy two BCE for Noah. You can check me on that. Okay. Let's let's just give it a wide range: two thousand to three thousand BC. Eight people. Well, I know you might reject this out right out hand, but the census.gov data has estimates using mathematics. You know. Um, using certain statistics statistics and you know obviously archaeology and they came up with the at that time the, there was 20 million people in the world which isn't a Eight, lot 20 not, million which no I, i'll give you that it's not a lot compared to the billions of people that live today but it's also spread out too so that's kind of where the problem is we have uh different civilizations that are, are not even aware of each other yet in different parts of the world um there's even archaeology about the history of People found in Canada, by the way, fourteen thousand year old villages found in Canada. I mean, I'm just I'm pointing out like that, that that's beside the point. To go back to the flood thing. So if what I'm saying is if the world started over in with eight people in let's say Cappadocia, uh, Turkey, that's where the flood lands, Mount Ararat, M Mount Ararat, right yeah, in uh, southern or eastern Turkey, almost in Iraq, basically like that region, or yeah, somewhere over there. And it doesn't matter. South of the Black Sea, no, almost almost in Armenia. That's like the yeah uh, yeah Armenia yeah, is very yeah. close. Okay, so it's yeah. that region of the world, which is very interesting. Okay, I will give you this. This is the part of the world, the black that Black Sea region, where the Proto Indo Europeans kind of um oh. explode with their technology mm -hmm. and their chariot race chariots and oh and da D David, uh, be sure to mute yourself if you're typing. Oh oh sorry oh, no sorry problem. I'm responding to my live chat because I'm simulcasting this. I'll, I'll mute myself next time. Oh you're good yep. you're good. Uh. And so it is interesting that there is, and by the way, the cultivation of vines were just, was discovered there, according to the data, yeah, saying yeah. around 5,000 BC. 
people discover how to cultivate the vine and make wine over there. And also, it's like Noah was making a vineyard. It's like, what the hell? What do they? What did they know? And then you have Gebekli Tepe, not too far from there. Yeah, the oldest settlement, religious settlement in the world. It was like a little bit west from there. Well, it's so I'm thinking whoever wrote this has some knowledge of civilizations history there's something going maybe or maybe it's a coincidence i don't know and i'm throwing you that because i'm trying to um what i'm saying is and my and my reason for like going in the other direction and is if there's eight people in that part of the world populating you would expect to see populations spreading out from that one place instead of just being like all over the place not knowing who each other is and then meeting somewhere in the middle at some point what are your thoughts on that yeah, my, my basic overriding thought is I don't care. I'm going to find out on Judgment Day how, uh, how it happened. But, you know, to give some respect to your question, to pay some heed to your question, sure. I'll just say that, you know, uh, like my friend uh, Rebecca, I got some help from my live chat here, but my friend, my Protestant friend Rebecca is saying that, you know, there are gaps. Sometimes they call someone a father, but it's a grandfather, great-grandfather. It just means, you know, ancestor. So, uh, you know, there may be some way that that works out. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a little bit, um, what's the word for it? Um complacent in my in my christianity and that bleeds into my young earth creationism i also want to say for the record you know i i'm not firmly committed like i said earlier to the age and uh but i, I don't believe that we evolved from lower animals that's that's the main sticking point right um but i mean uh how uncommitted you know, are you to the age so are you willing to for example say that we've been around for you know the reverse like millions of years or are you going to stick to like the thousands of years my preference is you know if it's you know if it makes me a bit uncomfortable even to say fifty thousand years whatever it's like too long for me but you know i'd prefer around 10 you know stick around 10 but this is this is neither here nor there this is just sort of like my 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 longing for the the garden of, of paradise like the garden of eden it's just like i want to be close to it you know that's it's like that's where i came from and it was perfect and beautiful and i don't want a bunch of time between me and that that scene of the fall because um that um that distance in time it creates a sort of a fog and a haze about the whole salvation history story you know it's sort of like well there's no rush and you know there's there's so much time in between me and this this historic event and, and for you non-believers you know you don't even believe in the event but for me because i do believe in it i want that proximity to enliven my faith but you know uh, at the end of the day you know it's not it's not a deal breaker for me if it's a longer period of time as long as you know as long as you don't try to make me think that i evolved from an ape or a fish or anything else like that that's where I think we should focus our discussion, because like if you want to convince me that, you know, it's tens of thousands of years or whatever, it's like, OK, whatever, I'll just shrug it off. Like maybe. But my, my preference will still be for, uh, you know, seven to ten thousand years. Well, I'm not an evolutionary biologist. So I'm not going to go too much into that anyway. So I'm not yeah. even qualified to even discuss that stuff. Really. My main my main bone to pick is that humans have a human nature apes have an ape nature fish have a fish nature and carrots have a carrot nature and they, sure they, sure i'm fine with they that they don't evolve they don't evolve into each other like we could devolve like humans can devolve but they're not going to devolve into an ape well uh, i noticed you said when you were talking about the, uh the timeline of the fall you said that you want it to be yeah and so okay. admittedly this is like a preference of yeah what you're okay i'm i'm just trying to fill you out there but what about so if you if, it's, if we're just going off like what we think makes the most sense 
based on our presuppositions. Why can't the fall of Eve, Adam and Eve be a metaphor for? Because I mean, it is interesting how we sort of the world sort of really gains a lot of consciousness as far as written writing. Rec, all right, we're coming out of the Stone Age. We're going into the Copper Age. Civilization starting to thrive now. Copper like. And right around the time where 6,000 years ago is what, where all this starts to take off. Copper Age starts right around 4,000 B.C., right around the time when the Bible says Adam and Eve. We're, this is when we're ending the Stone Age and going into the Copper Age, which is the Chocolithic, which is the first like real civilized world. So, I mean, metaphorically speaking, it matches. I'm, I'm wondering, like, what, what's the difference between thinking this is metaphorically speaking of the, the world coming out of the stone age or something like along those lines compared to it has to be literal well it's a dogma it's a dogma of my christian faith right like i mean i i'm bound by my religion that i freely chose i'm bound to believe every dogma in this book and one of the dogmas is that we did not evolve well it doesn't say that unfortunately but what it says is that we we descend from one human pair and so i'm, I'm not allowed to not believe that as a christian sure. okay now you can meet christians who don't believe that but they're, they've strayed from the Catholic faith, the one holy Catholic mm. and apostolic faith. So um, I'm trying not to stray. So I believe everything, all the dogmas that I have to believe. There are only like four or 500 of them, so it's not that hard. Mm. And some of them are counterintuitive, like the Trinity. Like, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't believe that unless the church told me to believe it, you know? And right. same thing with, uh, same thing with uh, many of the dogmas. It's like, I wouldn't just naturally intuitively come up with that, but that's, you know, I joined the church and that's what they tell me I have to believe. And I have reasons. I respect your honesty on this. Yeah, yeah. Most, I, most... I have reasons. I have, I have good reason to believe that, um, that, you know, like I, I just want to, I just want to preface the rest of this conversation by just saying that, you know, I know that God exists just using pure reason and philosophy. I don't need faith to know that God exists. And if you want to talk about, it, we can talk about that or maybe another time. But then I took a leap of faith into religion christianity and it was an arbitrary leap like i mean it could have been jewish i guess or muslim but um you know looking at history looking at history it just becomes evident that you know all the stories that the jews muslims and christians are telling about jesus christ around that time two thousand years ago the only one that makes sense remotely is christianity so you know i'm happy to have uh you know moved into christianity because i've uh i had a lot of questions coming in because i was an enemy of christianity but every time i had a question I, I got the answers that i wanted and so um my monotheism is based on philosophy and metaphysics my christianity is based on an analysis of history and particularly the history of jesus christ and uh, what did the monotheistic religions say and then my leap into catholicism in particular is based on authority well all the christians love their bible but where did they get their bible you know they got it on the authority of the church because christ sure. built a church so that gives you a sort of the context of how i think in that in that that those foundations of my faith and once i became christian and catholic um i just said yes it's because because it's a leap of faith i have to say well god knows better than i do so if god said he turned water into wine i accept it i mean i don't, I don't have a problem with miracles now that i'm a monotheist right you, you i did i did when i was an atheist but not anymore you mentioned that you had a personal experience of a dream and that when I hear Christians say this, I almost don't know how I can even refute that because your personal experience, you experienced it. It doesn't matter. Like it's, that's you, your, like, I can't even, I mean, is that, I'm wondering, does that have a lot of play into how you felt into your faith? Yeah. Yeah. I, I emphasize, maybe it makes my fellow Catholic apologists cringe, but I always emphasize the personal subjective existential trip that I was on 
that led me into the arms of God, right? Um, I emphasize it's very personal, it's very human, and it's not going to satisfy anyone in a debate in a debate context, okay? But that's what happened. That's what happened. Okay. Now the 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 silver lining of that of that embarrassing uh, reality is that since that time I've gone back and challenged my faith and looked at what are the motives of credibility of Christianity? What are the motives of credibility of the claims of the Catholic Church and the claims of Christ for that matter? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's all I've done since my conversion in 2009 is like try to meet people who can challenge me because I don't want to belong to a false religion, right? That's that's that's, that's mm. not good, you know? And it's 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 really embarrassing if, if Catholicism is false because I'm literally worshiping bread and wine as if it were God Almighty. So I really, really, really don't want to <laughs> belong to a false religion if it's Catholicism because that's embarrassing, right? So uh, we really put our neck on the line uh, as Catholics because a lot of the stuff that we do, you know, uh, the way we venerate Mary so greatly and the way we have... Uh, the Pope is the vicar of Christ. These are shocking to non-Catholic Christians, a lot of them. Right. Maybe not the Orthodox so much, but, you know, it's really, they're really bold and shocking claims. So, uh, but I'm fully committed. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Neil, as far as uh, bringing up probably the middle pillar of what David was talking about, the history of Christianity. Uh, well, first, David, would you say that it's important for you that the Old Testament be linked to the New Testament as yes, far as absolutely. whatever's in the Old Testament gives rise, like the idea of Jesus as the Messiah in the new one. Like yeah, that, absolutely. that is very key for you. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. So, so, Neil, that is something that you've been talking a lot about with uh, various people like Rabbi Tobias Singer and others, for instance. So perhaps we can take some time to explore that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where else to take it with. I mean, you kind of were very honest and forthright about Here's my position. Here's what I presuppose. I mean, I don't even know where else to take it. I mean, I think we, yeah. I think we, we settled. We, we and, find out where we disagree. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, there's and, nothing. And, else and, to and say. before that, by the way, everybody, if you guys have any questions for David or Neil, sneed those super chats right now. But anyway, yeah, Neil, so go for it. I'm fine with changing the whole subject. I mean, because we're pretty much. Yeah. dug into it figured it out yeah we disagree this well no yes. but that's a very core tenant of younger sure. creationism like you know the belief of christianity because you could say creationism in the steinarian sense in the in the theosophical sense for example the idea that we've all descended in this neoplatonic way from like the realm of ideas the realm of thoughts into our human corporeal forms but that's like a whole other thing which has nothing to do well it has a little bit to do with christianity as far as plato goes but that's like a whole other discussion so neil yeah let's uh, let's go from here um so you were asking about how christianity um how the old to... testament yeah, yeah, relates yeah. to the new well, testament so i mean uh, the claim in from Orthodox Jews, uh, and just myself looking at the Old Testament and some of the prophecies about the Messiah. This is where my criticism comes in for Christianity. The Messiah is, number one, supposed to be the king of Israel. He's supposed to lead Israel to the kingdom of heaven. And that's the end of no more wars, no more, like, everyone's going to bow. The whole, all the kings of the world are going to bow to this Messiah. Those are the three main things that I take away. Now, I, I probably what you probably are going to say, well, that's because he's coming back to do that stuff. Here, he, he, he's there's a second coming. Is that right? Is that what you? Is that how you get around that one? Well, I mean, uh, my, no. The way I get around it is saying that uh, the text needs to be interpreted, and I, you know, 
you're, you're not the Pope. <laughs> you're not the living magisterium. You're not even Catholic. So, True. you know, hey, ask, yeah. you could tell a nice story. You could tell a nice story to interpret the Bible all you want. It's not that interesting to me because I already have a living body, a living church that is identical with Christ. It's the bride of Christ. It's the body of Christ. And it's so it's fully human, fully divine, just like Christ. It's an, it's an extension of the incarnation. So it's hard for me to sit here and listen to Neil Gnostic informant t tell me what the Bible means. For, and, I agree. Uh, I, 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 totally face, you know what I mean, it's like, I totally uh, understand that. I got the no. God man telling me what it means. So. No, but, I, I, I totally but at the same, hold on, Neil. But at the same time, you've also said that the reason why you are Christian is because, you know, in your third pillar there, the idea that uh, you've researched enough to know that there is a, connection between the old testament and the new testament like your faith no, I does hinge... i didn't say that i didn't say that what i said is i looked at the history around the time of christ this is new testament stuff it's yeah. new testament mm -hmm. stuff okay so uh yeah you can look at the prophecies and how they're fulfilled we can all look at all the many ways they're fulfilled according to the christian teaching and we could look at the uh, opponents what they say how they're not fulfilled okay we look at what the jews say what the atheists and agnostics say we could do that and the muslims and whatever uh, but I think maybe the Muslims, they agree with the prophecies because they want him to be another prophet. But um, in any case, uh, you know, it, when I look at history to figure out which of the monotheistic religions is true, it's it just has to do with the person of Christ. It doesn't have to do with Moses or with anything else. It just has to do with the person of Christ. Did he live? Did he die? Did he resurrect? You know, and was there was there was there Christianity? Because the Muslims will say, oh, no, well, there was no Christianity. It was actually Islam and they were Unitarian. They didn't believe in the Trinity. Well, I've read works from not only, you know, the book of, you know, the Bible, the New Testament, the book of Acts and, you know, the letters of the uh, of Paul and so on and so forth. I've also read, uh, you know, early church fathers from the first century, second century, all the way up and, until the end of the uh, patristic age. So it's like. It's just not true. What the Muslims are claiming is just simply not true. And what the Jews are claiming doesn't make sense either. If you look at the destruction of the temple, it just doesn't jive. If you want to talk about the Old Testament and Judaism, there there you have a problem. I mean, I, you know, I can have some difficulties, but it doesn't add up. A million difficulties do not sure. add up to one problem. But for the Jews, they have a problem. They don't have the temple. They don't have the sacrifices. So they got a problem. Well, I think I think it, one of the things they have a point on, too, and I, I'm going to hear I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is that God's anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, is cho is a someone chosen by God. Now, the idea that God chose Himself in another form for a sacrifice, knowing that He's not going to really sacrifice Himself, He's just going to go chill for three days and come back out. He, like He's God. He they knows. don't understand. They don't understand the dual nature. Uh, the dual nature of Christ. Dual, like I said, the Church is fully human, fully divine, because Christ is fully human and fully divine. They're two natures in Christ, right? And so when Christ said, uh, you know, not my will be done, but your will be done, Father, um, that was his human nature talking to his divine nature. Okay. So you, it do sounds you think weird. That... It sounds weird, but that's what was happening. <laughs> okay. So do you think that when the, the life of Jesus Christ was predetermined, or do you think Jesus Christ had free will and was had no memory of like what's going on there? Well, is, God no has free will. God has free will and Christ is God. So, so Christ has free will as God. Sure. And then humans were made in the image and likeness of god so humans have free will so in in christ's human nature he also had free will so he has double free will he has two wills he has two wills interesting two free wills <laughs> that's a yeah. that's a brain buster there but um yeah. okay so i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to think where else to take it
you well, well, if you if you run out of topics, we can always talk about uh, the existence of God and the philosophical proofs for the existence of God. That's mm. something that I think would be interesting. But I'll well, let you guys decide. Well, where that's we go. Uh, that's something that I think a lot of people could agree on because then you're talking about either like the fedora tippers uh, versus people who do believe that there is something, some kind of an unmoving mover. And sure, you could say that there is a third option too. I'm actually willing to just grant that there's a creator for this discussion yeah, yeah. okay so we all need to go down that road what's yeah. more interesting for me is though to go back to the old testament new testament uh, sure. uh things there so neil what exactly would you say is going on as far as the reason why the jews disagree about jesus christ being the messiah well the, the things that i mentioned messiah is the the anointed he's the high priest king of god he's the he's a man and he is, uh, it really is not really like, it's, it's a kind of a change in, in the last second for them to him to actually be God or even son of God. Um, so it might have, in my opinion, I'm looking at like what happened around that time. You have the Enochian tradition. So there might be some like, some Enochian son of man influencing and the Metatron stuff. Um, so I, there is some Jewish there. I can't just say that there's no Jewish precedent for this to happen. There is some, um, but it does seem like a later Hellenistic development of the son of God, having a divine nature, being one with God. Um, and that, that seems to develop. I'm not really, my, my thing is it doesn't seem clear that this is how it started off. And this was originally the Messiah's plan or um, uh, purpose do you know God's name? Do you know what God's name, his proper name is? Do you know from the Yahweh. Old Testament? Exodus 3.15? Yahweh? Yeah, you, you know what it means in English, the English translation? Is it I am, I am or something? Yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. So That's interesting. When, uh, That's cool. When the Jews, when the Jews wanted the, the, you know, the strict and rigoristic Jews, they wanted to stone Jesus for calling himself I am uh yeah that's a that's a giveaway they wanted to charge him with blasphemy for for calling himself by the name of god right so it's not a later development it's not a, a fabrication well right? no i'm saying like, that in that time period in jesus's life i'm talking i'm talking about development as in hell oh in the i yeah, see yeah. okay yeah. okay it was a novelty it was a novelty when jesus came on the scene yeah 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 of course, well of david course. like what you're talking about is from the new testament as far as you know they wanted to stone jesus for calling himself i am i am but that's yeah. kind of a circular logic because what you're using to give credence to your faith is what your faith already says but what uh, Neil, I think, is talking about here is challenging that by going to the earlier faiths and saying, do they conform, do their uh, prophecies conform, let's say, to the idea of Jesus coming uh, and being the new Messiah? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, if you want to stack up, you know, evidence for and against Jesus being the Christ, I'm going to win hands down every day of the week because, you know, you can cobble together some some arguments but just look at the number of prophecies and the weight of those prophecies and look at the subsequent development of Judaism. Just look at, just keep your eyes on Judaism. If it's the one true religion, just keep your eyes on it and watch what happens. Anything interesting happened around that time oh. period? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, it's not let's coincidence. Into this it's not let's coincidence. This. So, I mean, the big one would be Isaiah 53, right? That's a big one, right? Sure. Sure. The problem with that is if you just took Isaiah 53 by itself, then yeah, it looks pretty, pretty much like the story of Jesus. Now, obviously, there's another option: are the Christians drawing from Isaiah and applying it to Jesus? 
Okay, that's one option. But there's, a, there's also another thing that we're, we're forgetting, that Isaiah is a whole book of 66 chapters. So it's not, you can't just take 53 by itself. You have to, what's leading up to 53? And if you read all the chapters leading up Isaiah 1 through 52, there's something that is very clear coming from Isaiah, that the suffering servant is Israel itself. He, I mean, I can uh, pull up some verses if you want, but it's no, no. it's all no, throughout no, the text. Not. All throughout the text it says, now, Jay Dyer, I talked to Jay Dyer about this. and he uh, Really? And he, yeah. He'll he talk actually, to you? He won't talk actually, to me. He blocked he me. He won't talk this. to me. He blocked me after this discussion. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, he got mad. He got mad at me for like pushing <laughs> back on Typical Jay Dyer. Typical Jay Dyer. But we had this one discussion, and I he made a point that I, I was fine with. He said it could mean both. So he he granted me that I was correct on the interpretation that the suffering servant is Israel. Because if you look at the history of Isaiah, Isaiah's writing right before or during when Israel is being bombarded by the Assyrians and the Babylonians and they're being taken over to... So this is right in the middle of that stuff, right before it all gets... The second, first temple gets destroyed. So he's kind of prophesizing that. He's talking about Israel being just the suffering servant holding on and not losing their faith after being destroyed for their for their for their own you know isaiah gives his reasons but then you get to 53 and it does turn into a sink he he switches off from singular to plural he keeps going back and forth so there is that singular where it says the suffering servant and then all the stuff about that looks like the uh, christian new testament now is that i mean i guess i gave you uh jay dyer's interpretation is this the is this yours too yeah i i, I just want to emphasize or re-emphasize that you know i have a dusty old dead book called the bible i've got many of them on my shelves and it's dead and lifeless in my hands dead and lifeless and worse than useless okay but i have a church and in the hands of the church in the hands of the saints it comes alive and then the meaning it comes out okay i'm not saying that you're not clever and that you can't bring meaning out of a poem or out of a a sacred text of any religion i'm not saying that you're very bright and you can bring some meaning out and you can you could even teach me truth about whatever text it is okay but that's very different it's a different qualitatively and quantitatively different thing when i hear the saints and the church interpreting uh, the scriptures so to me it's all a moot point like you could you could impress me all day long but with that has nothing to do with the but... with the discussion though like you could say that but basically what that means is that throughout our debate here whatever neil says to you you no, could always say well it doesn't matter because should, i have you the should church. have this debate you should have this debate with a bible alone protestant christian because it's so antithetical to my faith to lean on my own understanding and the interpretation of a dusty, dead, old book. It's, Wait, it's antithetical David, to my Catholic faith. No, David, no, no, David, no, 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 I have a living church. Wait, 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 hold on, David. You have a show. You have a podcast called yeah. Catholic Verses, yeah. which means that you know you have people on, like you said, yeah. that they try to challenge your faith. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense if you're wrong. No, I get, no, no. He, his, his answer okay. makes sense. The church okay. is he's he, the church comes first, then the text. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I can find even what Neil says interesting. I can find what Neil yeah. says interesting, but it will never ever move the needle of my faith ever. But then how do you even have a show? Because 
No, but how do you even have a show? Because then it doesn't matter what anybody tells you or asks you or presents to you on your show on Catholic Versus. You're always going to have that backup to say, you know, like you may be 100% right about this. It's going to come down to authority. By what authority do you interpret the scriptures? And when I speak to a Protestant, I say the exact same thing. You're not even Christian. And I'm going to ask you, by what authority... Do you have the divine uh, interpretation of this text, of the sacred but, text? But then why... By what authority do you even know no, that no, it's no, the, word, the inerrant word of okay. God? By what authority do you know that it's the inerrant word of God? Right. It's a good question. I, I'll say critical, uh... scholarship, critical scholarship. And you would say the church. And that's it. We disagree. <laughs> that's the yeah. end of that discussion. Right? Yeah. I mean, but, uh, I mean, I get I get why yeah. you're... That's I why get... I want to talk about metaphysics. That's why I want to talk yeah, about no, metaphysics. Yeah, no, I get your answer. I, Lev, yeah. you don't have to push him on okay. that. I get what he's saying. It's fine. And you're so you're you presuppose the church has is the true faith and their interpretation is what matters. And I say, I presuppose that critical scholars and, and um, academia is people have different um, expertise. There's archeology, span there's Bible studies, there's art, there's classic studies, there's Greek studies, there's linguists. And I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm pre and I, I am appealing to, we're both appealing to authority at some point. Okay. Yeah. That's the end of that. We, we, we find out where we disagree. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But if you believed in God, if you believed in the, the God of monotheism, the God of classical theism, that then which nothing greater can be conceived, the uncaused first cause, if you believed in that God, then you would be worshipping him, you know, because those who seek find and those who find will praise him. So, um, you know, but you don't, you know, so we have to talk about just rational, purely rational, philosophical, metaphysical stuff to get you into monotheism if you're interested if you're not interested if you just want to you know share your interpretation of the bible with the catholic interpretation of the bible it's kind of like we're just going to be talking past each other 24 7 and if we happen to agree on some points it's like cool interesting mildly interesting you know so when uh you know uh, I, I hate to be a wet blanket and that's kind of the impression i'm getting lev that I, you feel like i'm a wet blanket but <laughs> no i'm just trying to figure out as far as your own show goes if you have a debate with somebody and you can always appeal to the authority of the church, then what exactly is there to talk about? That's what I'm trying to figure well, out. As with, far as... with, with non-monotheists, I only talk about metaphysics. With monotheists, I talk about Jesus Christ. And with Christians that are not Catholic, I talk about authority and I talk about, you know, um, the Bible and where did you get your Bible? That's, that's the three-prong approach to my apologetics, right? So uh, right now I'm talking to a couple of atheists, so I would like to talk about metaphysics. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't call but... ourselves uh, atheists at all. Yeah. Like I would say that we both believe that there is some kind of a higher power as far as how it emanates into our reality. Uh, I'm still working on it. I'm trying to find that out. But that's kind of like the point of these discussions, right? Like you get people yeah. to talk about how they see things based on the evidence that they've accumulated, and then you compare that evidence to your evidence. The one thing that I wish is that there was some kind of a suspension of belief just for a second on your yeah. part that the sure. church fathers are right. And you could say, okay, let's have a very sober look at does the scaffolding of what is my belief system stand up to what Neil has to say? Like, is there but any the possible way that you can take you can take the authority away for a second and just hear like what Neil is saying about these passages and whether yeah. it actually does make sense? Well, yeah, I can I can hear it. I do hear it, and I hear it every day on my podcast. People that are not Catholic interpreting texts, okay, and it's like, what have I learned 
that I didn't already know, I learned that you can pretty much <laughs> get any text to say anything you want it to say. Like that's that's true of Catholics too, you know. Uh, so it's like like that's just because we're very creative, intuitive people, and we can make a text say whatever we want it to say. I'm not saying that Neil is like being dishonest. I'm just saying that when we come to a text, it's just natural to play okay. with it and to tease it out. That's it. All right, let me let me switch it up then because yeah. the authority of the church. I'm I'm wonder, I wonder your thoughts on are they can they ever be wrong? They can be wrong, right? Of course, of course, yeah. Okay. Right when they killed Saint Joan of Arc. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good. That's a really good uh, uh, point. And I then like they it. canonized her uh... just for just for dressing up like a man for during a war. What is she supposed uh, to dress up? With? She was uh... dressed. Up, she was dressed up as a man. That's what they did it for. Um, and that was like a, some heresy, but she's fighting a war. What is she supposed to do? Yeah. Anyways, that's a whole other topic. Put but, on the pink one. Put on the pink one. Right, right. So, uh, you know, I'm like, when I think of like the early church, Hippolytus, he's a saint. Sextus Julius Africanus is a saint. Irenaeus is a saint. Gregory of Tours. Pope Sylvester II. All right, that's just name a couple. Every one of those people I just named predicted the end of the world before 1000, and it all came and passed. Now, you admitted that the church can be wrong, but what I'm when I, the question is not. I'm not trying to like just point out the church was wrong, so you're wrong. Well, I have a question for this. It was leading up to the question is like, how do you? So I, I'm trying to understand. Do you just follow along as the church follow, goes along and discovers things about the world as it progresses, or how do you know the church isn't wrong? Well, I, I know, like I said, I know that the church is wrong about a bunch of stuff, you know, including, uh, I have to be quiet about this one, but including COVID, the church was wrong about COVID, okay? <laughs> Very wrong about COVID from my, uh, you know, from my perspective, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, but we disagree. I disagree with the, with the church about COVID and um, I disagree with the church about evolution. It seems like a lot of people in the church hierarchy believe in evolution. I don't, right. you know, so I mean, either they're wrong or I'm wrong. But the thing is, I'm not obliged to believe what they believe, and they're not obliged to believe what I believe. It's like that's it's sort of like we have that freedom for the time being where people can be theistic evolutionists, right? I think it's silly. I don't agree with it. But a lot of people that I love and respect in the hierarchy, they believe in theistic evolution, okay? So whatever. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to what do I believe and why do I believe it, it has to do with the dogmas. And I always flash this book on the screen. It's just an overview of the dogmas, and there's a hierarchy of dogmas. Some are the highest class of dogmas are de fide, and then it goes down the list to things that are just sort of pious beliefs that are probable and, you know, just go along with it until further notice. And then beneath the dogmas, you've got all kinds of other teachings that are not dogmatic, not, def not defined or whatever. And you've got disciplines, you've got pastoral care, you've got the Pope speaking on a, t on, on a plane or whatever, and you've got your local preacher your local priest uh, talking from the pulpit or your local bishop that's saying something uh you know it, it's like there there's all kinds of stuff but there's a hierarchy there so i cannot doubt the the dogmas um but i know that some of the lower grade dogmas are subject to change the higher grade ones are not and it's a spectrum in between and then beneath the dogmas it's just like pretty much just out of respect i try not to you know bash the pope when i disagree with him about climate change or about the covid or about about evolution i try not to i try to be respectful and i have to respect him and his opinions even when they differ from my own you know and i would like to think when they were killing saint joan of arc i would have been on saint joan of arc's side against the majority and in the time of the arian heresy i'd like to think i would be on the side of uh, saint athanasius you know against the the grand majority that fell into the uh, the heresy of uh, arianism so 
uh, yeah, it's a delicate situation, but I've got these guiding lights of the dogmas. And uh, if you stick to those, and if you're respectful with the, the Catholics that disagree with you, then, you know, we can all agree to disagree on those uh, things. And uh, it's not a big deal. So what I'm understanding is you have your own preferences and those can differ from the church, but you have a hierarchy of things that are unnegotiable and yep. you follow them because this is the higher, these are higher dogmas that need to be followed in order to follow the faith. Yeah. Like the Trinity, like why, right. why would I believe in the Trinity? Why, why would I just wake up and believe? Logically in the doesn't make no sense. One's right? gonna do it. Well, I mean, there are, there are motives of credibility and we can, we can argue for it. We can use our reason to sort of approach its sure. credibility but i mean it's not intuitive and so that's the example that i like to use and when i when i joined the interesting thing is when i joined catholicism i said uh i said hey i, I talked to my monk friend i said hey i want i want in because i want to worship your god but i'm warning you i don't believe in the trinity and i don't believe in the incarnation i don't believe that jesus is lord and all these sorts of things and he said that's not a problem because you believe in the one true god and we're going to educate you so over the course of eight nine months he taught, I listened, I read, I had questions, he had answers. And, uh, you know, I went into it under his guidance where he said, if you accept the teachings, then you're Christian. And if you don't accept them, if you don't accept any of like even one of them, <laughs> then, uh, you know, one of the fundamental essential ones, then you will not be a Christian at the end of this process. But <clears throat> we went into it together with an open mind and I came out the other end Christian. I might, I might have, as some of my friends, I may have gone through the same process and said, well, I don't agree with this one dogma. And they would have said, that's fine. You're, so you're not Christian, you know? But as it turned out, I did accept all the, uh, all the dogmas because those things that were not uh, within my reason, uh, they were beyond my reason, but they were not contrary to reason. Like the mystery of the Trinity, it doesn't contradict reason. It doesn't say that three is one and that one is three. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's just a mystery. Uh, that we will never understand, never, not even in all eternity in heaven, we're not going to understand the Trinity. We won't comprehensively understand it. We will be entering into that life, though. Yeah. So I hope I that helps clarify. I mean, I think that, that I don't even know where to take it. I mean, I, I appreciate your forthright, complete honesty in all of this and not trying to. You get a lot of times people who have had these same certain beliefs, not even not talking about Catholics, just and Christians and Muslims and I'm just everyone in general. And they're sort of they sort of throw in like random their own sort of they just sort of argue these things in like a bad faith way. But you're I just I don't I don't know where else to take it from here because you're just being really forthright, honest about it. And I I, I we see where we disagree. I mean I don't even know what else to say. Yeah, well we're approaching the one hour mark, so I mean I don't know how long you're going to go with us, Lev, but I'm happy the, uh, to keep chatting if you have the, topics. Well, the yeah. one th the one thing that I want to figure out here is when you're talking about things that are not like two plus two equals five, yeah. when you're talking about how you pretty much agreed with, no, not pretty much, definitely agreed with all the dogmas that they provided for you, that yeah. everything was very logical. Uh, Neil, I wonder if we could go through some of those dogmas at the uh, possible end over here and try and figure out, are all of these dogmas just purely logical reason based or if there are an if there's anything contradiction uh, contradictory going on within those dogmas because that's pretty much like if we get to the root of it that's where your faith rests on right david like that these dogmas are infallible because they yeah. cannot be refuted through uh, through logic and reason yeah 
the the authority that I that I freely chose to submit I freely chose to submit to the authority of Christ and His Church and Christ and His Church are one, so um, the church uh, I do what the church teaches I try to do what the church teaches you know when the church told me to go out and get the experimental mRNA wait 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 wait, wait, wait. we it. can't we still that. YouTube is a little oh, bit you know. oh oh I'm so sorry I forgot I was no it'll be alright it's no, it's, it's, fine. it's fine I think it's over now I think it's over now yeah yeah hopefully hopefully so but uh, <laughs> sorry yeah. No, no problem. But anyway, I do want to go through those dogmas. So dogma I have a list of them on my website. Well, uh, if you remember the list of them, uh, let's go through dogma number one and so on and so forth. Because I want to see, like, Neil, do these dogmas stand yeah, your down. scrutiny? Yeah, this is my favorite thing to do. Cool. All right, so here we go. Is... And by the way, guys, be sure to subscribe if you are here for the very first time. And our amazing Jason Giorgiani episode, Philosophy versus Religion, is going to be coming out uh, this week. Right, Neil? It's, uh, yeah. We, you've it's, never uh, seen Monday. anything like it. Yeah. Lev, are you able to click the link in your uh, Twitter chat? I just sent you the link. In, I'd rather it, you were in control of driving indeed the ship I, Indeed I am over here. So here we go. Here are you the uh, dogmas. The okay, so God, our creator and Lord, can be known with certainty by the natural light of reason from created things. Um, I don't know if we see. I don't want to dwell delve too much ah. into the no, 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 not ah, because ah. it's going to be very difficult for us to disagree about certain things that have to do what with is, like. Say, say Lord, one more time. I was reading something. Our God, our Creator and Lord, can be known with certainty by the natural light of reason from created things. Okay, it's like the ontological argument, right? Yeah, it's the, like every argument for God. It's based yeah. on. Uh, you know, causality is the main linchpin for multiple. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, yeah, and that's um, num number two I as actually, well. I yeah. actually don't. I, a, lot, a lot of atheists roll their eyes at this argument, and they just they. I, I actually think it's not that bad. I think, like, okay, everything has a cause. The universe has a cause. What was that cause? And I disagree I'm, that everything has a cause. By the way, God doesn't. Well, I'm, just, I'm talking about the ontological argument. I'm not. I'm getting off yeah. the dogma. For, I'm. I'd love okay. to hear your interpretation of this dogma, yeah. but the ontological argument. Everything has a cause, and there being a first mover, I'm totally fine with there that being the case. I, mean, I don't think you can refute that really, and that's why I'm open to deism. That's oh, why okay. I have oh. this. I'm not like a you know, okay. but okay. What's your interpretation of that dogma, by the way? Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I have like remember when I told you it was a very personal, subjective, existential trip to God. It was because you know I was thinking about causality. I was thinking about um, existence being itself ontology. And, um, you know, I, I ended up concluding because, you know, because I wanted to get at the truth, I used sort of a Cartesian method of radical doubt. Like I doubted everything that could possibly be doubted. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, you know, you end up just believing the one thing that cannot be doubted, which is I think, therefore I am. So it's my own existence there. Again, we have this idea of Yahweh. I am. That's why I fell into hard solipsism because I actually rejected all of my faith-based beliefs as an atheist. All of my atheistic faith-based beliefs I rejected and I was left with one solid truth, which is I am. That's the name of God. And I, I believed that I was God. So um, that radical doubt took me to God, but I, I accidentally misattributed myself. I misidentified myself with that God. I identified with that with that God and then as I told you earlier, it was very uncomfortable. So I uh, was happy to discover that I'm not God, that God is God. But yeah, that's what that first dogma is all about, that we can know through the contingent that there is the necessary. Everything that we see around us is contingent. And that 
contingent being necessarily implies the existence of one and only one necessary being whose essence is existence. So yeah, I love that first dogma. Mm. Now there's a lot of dogmas in here, and I think we're going to uh, be here all <laughs> night if I go through <laughs> yeah. all of them. But uh, I want to get to some of the uh, juicy ones here. Sure. So number sure. 43 and 44, uh, God is infinitely just, and God is infinitely merciful. Neil, what do you think of that? I mean, it sounds just like a slogan to me. It doesn't. I don't know how you map that on to infinitely just. I mean, the world, I look at the world around me. This, so I think the, the what the the problem of evil sort of really, really opposes this one, because I mean, you can look around in nature and there's a baby lamb just being born, getting swallowed by a uh, what do they call it, Komodo dragons, and you can hear them screaming in the belly of the Komodo dragon, suffering and getting suffocated slow death that's all he uh, he just had a 10 second lifespan as soon as it was born the commander jagger runs up grabs it swallows it gone and you just you just wonder like infinitely just i don't know how and this, this brings me to the epicurean argument of epicurious is actually i i let me read it so i don't get it wrong uh let me just read this. And by the way, patreon.com slash break the rules. If you become a patron today, we've just released that Jason Giorgiani uh, in New York City um, okay. live stream show, which was our patrons only. You got a deal? Yeah. Right. Is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he's not omnipotent. Is he able, but not willing? Then he's, then he's malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then where, where does evil even come from? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? So and I think that this is like these are the two this dogma and this argument are clashing right now, right? And I'm and I'm thinking like infinite amount of um, infinite amount of like this doesn't so something's going on where it seems like I'd say one more, one last thing I want to get your thoughts. I'm, I'm sort of like rambling now, but I want to say this too. It where is like if if God is there and He's working in our lives, why is it so? Why does he make it such like a hidden thing? Like, why can't you literally walk? And I, this is obviously not going to be able to answer this. These are the thoughts in my head. And I'm not asking you to answer this. These are the thoughts in my head. Why can't on a weekly basis, just God just shows up in the sky and gives us a weekly rundown of what he wants done? Like, don't you think there's a better? I, I can come up in my head of better things of how the world would run better than like relying on ancient books. And you don't have to answer that last part, but go back. You can go back to the, the problem. We should, we should make, we should elect you God. I think you'd do a better job. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think I would. I would do, yeah. I would so the, the problem of evil is very easy to solve. It's very easy to solve. Okay. It has to do with uh, God being good, being the source of everything that's good and free will being real and good and built into the concept of free will is the abuse of free will. If you have free will by definition, you can mess up, right? You could be selfish. You could do the wrong thing. You could do the right thing. You could do the wrong thing. You choose the right thing. You choose the wrong thing. So built into the freedom of the will is that danger of abuse of the will. Okay. So that's, that's the answer to the problem of evil. God is good. Everything he made is good. The free will that he gave his creatures is good. And, uh, you know, the, the mess that we make, it's, it's like when you have a child and you let your child cook with you in the kitchen. The, the kid's retarded, okay? The kid's going to make a big mess and put the wrong ingredients in the cake. And it's not going to taste too good. might not even rise, 
But what if as the parent... And you, as the adult, you yeah. have to clean up the mess. Okay, but, but what if you love he was the, the child, parent... You love the child, and you love the child, and you're just, you know... That's fair, but what if deal. you as the parent end up creating a cake intentionally that poisons your own child? No. No, in the case of, let's say, for you example, well, hold on. In the case of God, for example, getting the Hebrews to uh, destroy, uh, what's his name, that, uh, that city like they circled around, Jericho. Huh? He ordered the Hebrews to destroy the city of Jericho. Every woman and child except for that one prostitute there. Neil, am I right about that? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that, that to me at least as an example of a parent making a poison cake and intentionally poisoning no. their kids with that cake because yeah. that is literally God commanding somebody well, no, I think a better example else. would be would be hardening hardening Pharaoh's heart oh, yeah. so that the um so that he would cause this exodus to happen like that to me that's one of those things where yeah. and I, I'm like are we already we already we already went through this we're not going to Can I address through. this can yeah. I address this briefly because one of my favorite saints is Saint Augustine if you haven't read St. Augustine, Confessions, City of God, all, all his works. He's got a lot of works. Amazing. Okay, he addresses all these questions very succinctly. And, you know, when it talks when it talks about God being angry or God's arm or all these sorts of anthropomorphisms, or when it talks about uh, evils that God has allegedly done, like hardening Pharaoh's heart, uh, St. Augustine has a very easy solution. Okay? It's, what's the first principle? The first principle is God. Is God selfish, stupid, vengeful, and evil, and, and whatever? No. Well, he calls God is all good. Yeah. God is all good. So when we read the Bible, but he calls when, we read the Bible when we read the Bible that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, what does St. Augustine say? He says, God did not harden Pharaoh's heart. Okay? Because every Christian knows that God doesn't do evil. So God, what God does is he allows pharaoh's heart to be hardened this is exactly what saint augustine says and it cannot be any other way i don't care if you're a, a monotheist sure. or atheist or whatever you have the principle that god is good so that solves all the problems that solves all the problems in the old testament of god being a big big meanie in the sky you know and that's why i think you know this is sort of a platonic idea of god that is the good the perfect on like on having Absolutely. no flaws but plato plato's good and Yahweh in Genesis, who says, I'm a jealous God, conflict. I mean, he's called, why is he calling himself a jealous God? If he's well, he is jealous. He is jealous. He is jealous because jealousy is not envy. Envy is evil. Jealousy is good. Jealousy is just wanting the good, right? So I didn't know when, that. You're jealous of you, when you're jealous of your neighbor, you want the good thing they have. That's, that's okay. But when you're envious, you don't want them to have it. You want them to be miserable. Okay. That's envy. It's Wait, just, what is coveting? Very technical. What does coveting mean? Well, coveting, I guess, is uh, wanting. Or... So you can covet without necessarily depriving someone else of something that they have, right? Or no? Yeah, when the when the Ten Commandments talk about coveting, it's in the negative uh, context, like what doesn't belong. Take what doesn't belong to you. Take your neighbor's ox, your neighbor's wife. I mean, uh, I want to, you know, I want to have multiple women, but that's not that's not fair to me or my wife or to God. You know, it's like mm. a, a lot of men would like to have their neighbor's wife, but it's just like. And a lot of men do it, you know, like David did it. King David did it. <laughs> Didn't work out too well for him, but, <laughs> you know, we're covetous people. But we can want things that are good and we can want them in the right way and we can also want them in the wrong way. That's the problem with uh, the problem with uh, free will. But I just want to say one thing that's very important here, which has to do with the dogmas that you read me about, infinite justice, infinite mercy. It's very important to emphasize this. It's that God is identical 
with all of its attributes and all of those attributes are identical among themselves. Okay, so it's not like, hey, God's just. Eh, and he's also merciful. How could that be? Ooh, no, it's like justice is mercy, is truth, is goodness, is beauty, is unity, is God. Okay, this comes back to the Platonic idea, you know, and the Neoplatonic idea of the one. And it's, uh, we can know this by the light of natural reason. We don't need religion to know that the, the attributes of God, uh, what those attributes are, and that they are united in God, and that they are identical with among themselves and with God in, mm. in the... Uh, uh, in the Godhead, not not here below. Well, let's take a step back for a second. Neil, do you agree with what David was talking about regarding the hardening of Pharaoh's heart being that God allowed the it doesn't Pharaoh's matter, heart? It, my, my, I'm solo, I'm, I guess, technically in sola scriptura because I'm, I'm not by the church. He's, is that, sorry, I, is that the, you said Augustine declared that this is the interpretation and that's going to be it. We, we just gonna, That's his opinion. Nothing, that's his opinion. He oh, happens to be right. He happens to be right. Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's the, that we don't even need the authority of the church. That's just using okay. right reason. And there's no dogma on that. Well, there is a dog, there, you know, there is a dogma, like we just read it, that he's perfectly just, he's perfectly merciful, he's perfectly, perfectly good. That's another dogma. So yeah, the dogmas support what St. Augustine said, okay? And when it comes to, when it comes to Bible verses and the strict interpretation of this or that verse, there are very, very, very few verses i mean john 6 comes to mind with the with the real presence in the eucharist that comes to mind as one example there, there are several examples but uh we have a lot of freedom and latitude as christians when we come to the bible to play with it get things from it interpret it you know and uh it's not like it's not like my hands are tied when i go pick up my bible and it's like i have to look in my book of dogmas what does this chapter and verse mean no it's it's, it's a freedom that we have <clears throat> and very few things are nailed down very few all right well Let's 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 go to something tangible then, because we have the Ten Commandments in yeah. um, Deuteronomy. Exodus. Exodus. Or Exodus. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Exodus. And when you look at them in the Old Testament, they don't the, the 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 Catholic Ten Commandments don't match up to what it says in the text. Did you know this? Yeah, we have we have two threads. We have two traditions. I think the Orthodox went one way, the Protestants and yeah, Orthodox. Sure exactly how, there's three of them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think there are three different streams. To me, it doesn't matter. To me, what matters is that everything is accounted for in terms of uh, going astray. Like every time that I'm selfish, and that's basically what uh, sin is. It's choosing selfishly, choosing a short-term gain, a short-term good, choosing, choosing a lesser good on purpose, not by accident, but on purpose, purposely choosing a lower good over high good. That's what sin is, okay? And uh, St. Augustine said, as I mentioned earlier, that, uh, you know, there's love of self unto contempt of God or love of God unto contempt of self. So it's like basically selfishness is at the heart of sin and it's how we choose goods. Everything is good. Free will is good and uh, everything is ontologically good because God made it. It comes from a, a good source. Um, but uh, when it comes to choosing among goods, um, choosing among the options, uh, there are many ways to mess that up, and there are many ways to be very, very selfish in our choices, right? So, that's uh, that's at the heart of that question, and uh, that's what that's what morality is all about, you know. Am I going to love self unto contempt of God? And I'm sad to admit that a lot of the time I do, you know, I do because lazy and selfish, as are you two, but <laughs> maybe to a lesser extent. Now, I had this. I had I pulled up the uh, chart of the. I don't want to spend too much time in this, but I just want to point something out that I think is uh, interesting. Uh, Lev, can you click on that for me? Oh, you, the uh, screen cap? Sure. Yeah. One second. Here you go. All right. So the one that really point stands out to me, 
because anyone can go look up the Old Testament and read it. And I mean, you could even get I have uh, somewhere over here. I don't know where I put it. The uh, Hebrew with the English and then the New Testament Greek with the English. And you can look at it's the Texas Receptus in Greek and it's the Masoretic text in Hebrew and you can read it. Even the Septuagint in the Greek Old Testament has this order on the left. It doesn't change. Um, and the one that points, the one, most of it's fine. I don't really care about the order and stuff. But most of it matches up fine. But then you have, then you have the idea of keeping the Sabbath, which gets changed. Obviously, Christianity changes that. So it almost looks like. No. Okay. What are your thoughts on that? It was transferred to the uh, Lord's Day, but the Sabbath is still Saturday. Okay. Um, but we celebrate on the Lord's Day. Okay, so right. that's that's a subtle subtle distinction, uh, but the Sabbath is still the Sabbath, but we celebrate the Sabbath not on the Sabbath, but on the Lord's Day. <laughs> okay, so uh, it's a little bit confusing uh, to put it that way, but that that's what happened, you know. And the Seventh Day Adventist, uh, they don't seem to understand that, but that's what. Okay, happened. um, so but that that kind of that kind of leads proves my point is like there's a shift in the doctrine based on. New Testament scripture. And that's fine. I get the church is is navigating its dogmas based on Jesus and not just the Old Testament. So I'm not really like I'm not gonna get too yeah. picky on that. But it does show you that there are things being changed. And so when God dec decrees these Ten Commandments, he's changing it at some point. Well, no, because I just said we honor we honor the commandment to to honor the Sabbath and we we fulfill that commandment differently because you know the old testament has been Oops. fulfilled right? Right, right and the it's like christianity is the fulfillment of, of judaism so there's uh there's a new wine skin for the new wine as jesus said you know and uh there are many things like that you could point to you could point to divorce the issue of divorce what did what did moses say about divorce and then what did jesus say sure right? so why the contradiction well it's not a contradiction it's there's a fulfillment in christ and christ reveals that there was a concession made to the stiff-necked Jews about the issue of divorce. Because, guess what? God is infinitely merciful. So he made a concession to the Jews. So there's a fulfillment that if you wanted to be a stiff-necked Jew in the time of Jesus, you'd say, hey, this is a contradiction. And he, they, they even bothered him to say, hey, why are you healing people on the Sabbath? And he said, well, right. God made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. Like, Christ is God. Christ is the fulfillment of all that Old Testament stuff. And the Old Testament stuff is a mix of good and bad, and there are concessions there, and uh, you know there's a lot of ugly stuff documented in the Old Testament, and uh, you know Jesus came to bring in a new chapter, like I said, to bring the new wine, and so we have new wineskins. We shouldn't be surprised, and uh, yeah, and I think the destruction of the temple, like I said earlier, is like one of the clearest signs that yeah, I, uh, Judaism is not uh, it's not the way to go, you know. So. Um, I don't know where you want to take it. I think we do want to do one more dogma or there's we another do, We thing. do have super chats over here, okay. which I think okay. can uh, Let's facilitate in our discussion. And we actually have a super chat from two Adams, two different Adams. Uh, the first Adam, uh, Adam, uh, the uh, Tel Aviv Terror Green uh, for uh, two U.S. dollars. What do your church fathers think Romans 1512 means? Uh, what was that about the uh, is it about the Jews coming back in? Yeah, root of Jesse uh, verse. The root of Jesse will come. 
even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not really sure what exactly what exactly he wants us to do with that. I mean, I could move on to the second uh, super chat from... Uh, um, yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I think there's a clear answer in that, in my opinion. I, I mean, I don't know if um, David would agree, but it just sounds like Paul, who's writing this, is talking about his message to the... Because Paul's writing to Greeks. He's writing to people in Asia Minor and Greece and Corinth and Ephesus. So he's talking about... And, and this is letters to the Romans, by the way. So it's about the Gentiles. It's just simple. Like, I don't think there's anything, like, esoteric about this or anything. I think it's just straightforward. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There, there is another, by the way, question from uh, Adam Tel Aviv Tara Green. How do you know your church fathers are right about Scripture? Haven't they always fought and debated the details? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like I said earlier, there are very, 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 very few verses that are actually nailed down and where I'm constrained to a certain uh, interpretation, right? So um, in my book of dogmas here in that list that I sent you, there are 426 or so, um, you know, and they're all, there are, there are biblical arguments to support the dogmas. There are also arguments from the church fathers, and there are also arguments from pure reason and, uh, and archaeology and all kinds of things. But the caveat to that, you know, like, you know, we've got all the support for the dogma, but that's really a moot point because we don't need any support for any of the dogmas because the the arguments supporting the dogmas are fallible they're not infallible they're not protected i don't care what arguments are given to support any of the dogmas even though the church is nice enough to offer me support from scripture the fathers and everything else i really don't care what i care about is the dogma because only the dogma is protected Right. So that's that's a very interesting. Wait, but dilemma. isn't that kind of a contradiction? Because you originally said that the only reason why you became Catholic in the first place was because you accepted the dogmas on reason. And now you're saying that it no, doesn't matter. I accept. No, I didn't say I, I didn't say I accepted the dogmas on reason. That doesn't make any sense. You can't accept the dogmas on reason. You have to take the dogmas on faith. I took I, I took a leap of faith into the dogmas because I believed in the authority. I believe that Christ is God and that Christ built a church and that that church has authority, infallibility and indefectibility, that it's one holy Catholic and apostolic. But, That's why, what I why, believe. Do you, My but why do you believe it? Because I'm going to be the... like that little kid saying, why, why, why? <laughs> I want to get, I want to get to the bottom here, the nitty gritty. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I've already touched on it briefly, but you know, my monotheism is not faith-based. It's based on metaphysics and my leap of faith into Christianity is based on the person of Christ, uh, what did the monotheistic religions say about Christ? And the, the stories are ridiculous. They're all ridiculous. And the, re the, the only one that makes any sense at all is the Christian story. So I'm Christian because of history and because of Jesus Christ. And when it comes to Catholicism, it's like, well, once you're Christian, what's Christianity about? Do they have a book? Yeah. What's it called? It's called the Bible. Which books are in the Bible? You know, and by what authority do we decide that these books are in, these books are out? So that, that very question will lead you to ask about authority and where is this God-given authority that's in the church. And I think, I'm pretty sure, <clears throat> only the Catholic Church makes the bold claim to say that we are that apostolic church, visible church with a visible head. The Orthodox don't dare to say that. They say, well, we have a flat hierarchy and we'll just do uh, councils and these sorts of things. Nothing against the Orthodox. 
beautiful church, beautiful religion, and they're our brothers in the faith, as are the Protestants. But uh, when it comes to authority, for me, it's a no-brainer. It's the Catholic Church. Neil, any thoughts on that? Yeah, the last switch next. I, I, I just want to like yeah. add on a, 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 just a slight conversation about some of the pre preceding pagan religions, pagan in the sense, or Platonic, Pythagorean uh, theologies that predate or even coexist when Christianity comes around. Um, do you think there, and Eusebius was one of the people who argued for this, and I really, I really enjoy reading Eusebius, especially his, um, uh, what is it called? The, uh, event, is it the Evangelion or something? It's, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the book. But the it's Genesis Evangelion. It's, it's, I think it's called, uh, oh my God, I can't remember the name of it. Doesn't um, anyways, doesn't matter. Yeah. Eusebius writings. He argues that some of this stuff is pointing to Jesus because a lot of the, um, Justin Martyr was writing about, you know, comparing, you know, he, he probably was duking it out with these pagans who are like, you know, your son of God, he's copying our son of God. He's like Hercules. He's like Mithras. He's like Dionysus. Well, Eusebius comes around and says, yeah, this is all pointing to Jesus. He, and he's going back to the Phoenician text. He's going back to, uh, Egyptian stuff. He's going back to Zoroastrian text and he's pointing out, look, this person said this and here's how it points to Christ. I wonder, like, do you do you th have any thoughts on that, or do you just what are your thoughts on? And I don't think the church has any thoughts on this either. I think well, the, I, uh, funnily, uh, if, is that a word funnily? Anyway, um, funnily. it's funny to think about it, but um, I think some of the Eastern churches, Eastern Orthodox, there's so many particular churches, it's hard to keep straight. But some of them, I think, have elevated uh, Socrates and Plato to almost like yeah. a saint like uh, like status. And I like that, you know, I like that personally, because I, I really love Socrates and Plato. Aristotle, you know, I begrudgingly, uh, you know, submit to him because the church likes him so much, but Thomism. You know, whatever. Huh? Thomism. Yeah, Thomism. Yeah, I'm more of the Scotist uh, Franciscan route, the more Platonic route, yeah. Bonaventure and all that. Um, that's more, uh, that's more my speed. Uh, and there are healthy debates uh, between the Thomas and the Scotus. Okay, like really <laughs> vigorous debates about, you know, some finer points of theology and some pretty important stuff. So, uh, yeah, we don't all agree on everything. But um, I respect both sides, but I'm leaning more towards the Franciscan school. But uh, when it comes to the pagans, yeah, I love the pagans. And I think that they, uh, a lot of them had uh, grace, uh, you know, and they, they may have talked about, um, you know, prophetically about some of the Christian or Jewish stuff. And maybe there was some connection with the cultural crossover with the, with the Jewish people, you know. Uh, I don't know. Sure. I don't know the whole story. We're going to find out on Judgment Day, but I'm very, very excited to find out just how mm. much uh, is bleeding over. And uh, if we talk about the Great Flood and we talk about the flood stories from China and uh, South America and all around the world, that's sort of a similar idea where there's like, is there a true story somewhere in there? Mm. Is it the Catholic version? Or, uh, you know, why are all these stories but, kind of... But so the epic of, epic of Gilgamesh? Yeah. Yeah. But that is the question, though, because when you have Epic of Gilgamesh, when you have all of these different places talking about the flood, it's like the guy who Neil was mentioning, he was flipping it the other way around, saying, well, these things confirm Christianity. While your, the mic, other... your mic is really hard to hear you now. All of oh. a sudden happened. Uh-oh. I know what happened. Now I, I guess my magic fixed it. Better? Is it good? <laughs> yeah. All right. What happened? Just got All better. right, all right. Anyway, I'm just saying that 
the guy who Neil was mentioning, he may have flipped it the other way around, where his opinion was that all of these things confirm Jesus Christ, while the other way of looking at it could be that Jesus Christ was created, or rather, like, the figure of the Christ afterwards. You know, how many years uh, had to go by be before we got, like, any kind of tangible evidence of Jesus being written down, Neil? Do well, like after only his... a couple of decades, but Paul starts writing within the decade of Jesus, so I don't... That's okay. a myth. All right, that, 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 that's fine. By the way, but... ancient, ancient sources for people... That's normal. I'll, I like the I. You have to uh, atheists need to start admitting this. That for a couple of decades for someone to show up in the sources is not an ancient an ancient text. That's that's normal. Mm -hmm. But so still, I'm, I don't even have that. No, uh, that's fine. That's that fine. Memory. But still, what we do have is we have all these references to these mythological origins that do sound an awful lot like Mithras, like all these other uh, Mesopotamian deities, and so on and so forth, both for the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so I think what's happening here, uh, what Neil was talking about with that guy, is that he took the view, well, all of these are actually based on Jesus, even if Jesus came later. The other interpretation would be, no, all, all of these are things that were used to create the legend of Jesus Christ and the New Testament yeah. and so on and so forth. So what prevents you, well, I guess you would say, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but you would probably appeal to the authority that they're right and the people who are saying what I'm saying are wrong. But do you at least see the argument here, what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of yeah. course. And uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it yet, but I might be wrong. Like I told you, I might be wrong about Christianity. I mean, he might be a legend. He might be a liar. He might be a lunatic. That's right. possible because my, my faith is that it's it's faith right it's not the certainty that i have for example of the uncaused first cause i that cannot be shaken right unless i get clubbed in the head or something but um my faith is is you know in in many ways it's it's sure you know because i have a submission to that uncaused first cause that god and so like i mean i have a lot of uh, certainty and it's like a moral certainty that i have but i could be wrong you know um, so let's be, let's be clear about that. I don't think that I'm wrong. Obviously, if I thought that I was wrong, I would, I would not call myself a Christian. And the, the, the day or the moment that I discover that I am wrong or that I become convinced rightly or wrongly that I'm wrong, I will leave, you know, I'll just say, Hey, I'm no longer Christian because I no longer believe it, you know? So, uh, it's not like I have uh, absolute rational. Sure. sure but when that... it comes to that specific argument about all of these mythological things being, used to create yeah saint augustine goes through that he does a good job of debunking that okay it's just it's just very very simple like where there's overlap like there's never okay there are two possibilities either it's a perfect overlap identical stories in which case it's not two but one or there's some differences and then you just right. look at the differences right it's like it's very very easy you know so uh, yeah are there you know are there rumors going around uh, like, just read the New Testament. There are rumors going around about what happened to Jesus. They corroborate each other, but there are, there are superficial contradictions. Okay? Yeah. But uh, it's the same thing with all the, the, the flood stories. It's like, are they 100% identical? No, they're diverse and different. But what's similar, what's, what's different, and why? And we're going to find out, you know, uh, I believe, we're going to find out on Judgment Day, what's the truth? You know, what's the truth about, about all these question marks we have from, uh, you know, fossil record, anthropology, uh, stories floating around, and, you know, uh, there, there's, there's so much we could dig into, 
uh, you know, like, did Jesus get married to Mary Magdalene, have kids with her, all this sort of thing. Like, to me, it's absolute nonsense, you know. Sure. But a lot of I've met Christians who believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, you know, it's like, so whatever, you know, the, the, the other thing I want to emphasize with both of you and your listeners is the supremacy of conscience in a certain sense we have to obey our conscience. We cannot violate our conscience. If you think, like I said, if I believe, if I believe, then I commit to the belief. If I don't believe, I can't pretend to believe. Okay. Same thing with you guys. You can't just pretend to believe something just to get right. in with the family or friends. Okay. And it's the same thing with sin. Like if I believe that something is evil and I do it anyway, even if it's a good thing that I'm doing, but I think it's evil, that's sin. And if I, if I do something evil, but I think it's good, it's not sin. So there's a certain subjective primacy of conscience that uh, plays into this objective reality that I'm a creature of God and some things that I could do are good, some things I could do are bad. But it's what, I, it's what my intention is. That plays a big role too. And it's yeah. the same thing with the leap of faith that I take or that you take and you're both on a journey. Lev, I kind of insulted you earlier by just saying you're atheist, but um, uh, that was just inadvertent. But um, I appreciate that you took umbrage with that because it means you're on a journey, you're seeking, and you're not closed off to, uh, to anything really. Sure, but back to what we were uh, discussing here, which is these uh, mythological connections leading to Jesus. From Neil, do you understand David's argument against that? Uh, what, yeah, what yeah, yeah. Thoughts? By the way, by the way, the, the text that I was thinking of is called Preparatio Evangelica, preparation oh, okay. for the gospel. I, oh. And I, by the way, everybody, I don't care what you are, atheist, Christian, should read it. Vegan, you should read this text. It's amazing. <laughs> One of the How greatest, long is it? By the How way, long is it? Very long. And by the way, this text is such a useful it's such a um it's so valuable to scholarship because it has preserved fragments that we've lost for example one of the fragments that are in this text is an ancient bronze age phoenician theogony it's gone it's gone it, it gets cited by people we know it existed because it's people cite it but the only place it exists it doesn't exist by itself it only exists in eusebius's works and he goes through it all it's by a bronze age priest named shanko Nathan. But anyways, um, to your point, though, I, I, I'm fine with that. And it, but it's, it almost is like you have this. It's almost like a matrix thing where you're given this choice to choose the red pill or the blue pill. And sometimes I think and I, and I and it seems like this. I don't think you're like this. I think you believe it because you believe it. And you told me you had this experience and that probably pushed you towards the belief more. But a lot of people I notice are more of an alignment with. I don't even know. It almost seems like you, and I'm, I can't go into their heads and see if it's true or not, but I'm just like speculating, like, does this person even believe or are they just aligning with the church because they prefer that world because it politically aligns with them? You, you know, understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And it's so, yeah. so, so it's almost like if I align with the church, hopefully they're right and I have eternal life, even if I don't really believe it, even if it's going against all of my presuppositions about science and history, I still I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to go go with the flow and see what happens and hopefully um, and like, and like, there's doubts and doubts and doubts and doubts. And I think that's normal. I think, I think there's probably a lot of people like that. Yeah. I want to say, uh, for the record that, you know, I made a, two videos about doubt, faith and reason and how they work together to, you know, build a worldview. Uh, and I make the case, obviously that the one true worldview is Catholicism. Okay. So, uh, spoiler alert there, but, um, I sort of go through some of the excesses if you if you have deficiencies in one area excesses in another where that would land you it's a very interesting thought experiment and it's not uh it's not um 
I'm not committed to it 100%. It's just playing with ideas, okay? So don't take offense if you watch it. You think, oh, I disagree with you on this and that. Yes, of course, you know, just playing with ideas. But doubt, faith, and reason, how do they work together? And Blaise Pascal in his Pensee, I don't know if you've read it, but it's a nice work with just little short uh, observations about the faith. Uh, he talks about this. I, I found out afterwards that he talks about this. He talks about how doubt is an important part of our walk with Christ. You know, it's not just about faith and reason. We always hear about faith and reason, reason and faith, you know, but there's also doubt. Like we have to question, we have to weigh, we have to examine, we have to ask why we have to. That's why I do the podcast. That's why I want to be challenged. And I know, Lev, you're disappointed that I just brush a lot of things off. Like, I'm not worried mm. for that. I got the church. But, you know, there there's a there's a there's a method to my madness you know like like i said i've got the monotheism then i've got the christianity mm. and well i'm, tr I'm trying i'm trying to see the method there is actually a comment here uh yeah. from a guy who has what appears to be a uh, black big chungus bugs bunny avatar named uh ex generate machinarum and uh, here's what he says yes and the problem uh, okay, so for, yeah, yeah, uh, there's nothing above here. Okay, here we go. Yes, and the problem is that he refuses to allow himself to be convinced, ignoring all evidence countering Catholicism. He's not rationally convinced. This is just cope from sunk cost, probably. Your thoughts on that? <laughs> my thoughts? Yes. Well, I mean, that's not my lived experience. My lived experience is that I was uh, atheist, uh, rationalist, uh, Platonist by nature, you know, and uh, prone to idealism, among other things. And um, through radical doubt, which I challenge you, Mr. Uh, insert name here, uh, I challenge you to do what I did, which is to reject all of your faith-based beliefs, because I've done it. I haven't met that many people that have done it. It's not easy. It's not easy, especially if you have a family and a job and all those sorts of things. It's not easy to actually doubt all of your faith-based beliefs that you take for granted, for example, your sense perceptions, that they are actually real, they correspond with some sort of outer world and other people. It's not easy to do that. I did that. I've stared into the abyss, okay? And I came existentially through this experience to a confrontation, a very frightening confrontation with eternal life, you know? And yeah, I made some mistakes along the way. I attributed that the eternal life to myself. I became God for, for a brief minute but uh, I, I was glad to uh, shrug off that responsibility and to say, to admit that I'm not God, that God is God. And uh, so, but, yeah. But you're not doubting your, them there's now. There's nothing you... in your critique. There's no, there's no teeth. There are no teeth to your critique of me whatsoever. But, ju but just to be clear, right now you are done doubting. You are not doubting no, anything anymore. No, no, I'm doubting anymore. every day. I'm doubting all day, every day, all day, every day. I'm looking for reasons to leave, leave Christ. I'm looking for reasons to leave Christ. Because I had told you, I don't want to be worshiping bread and wine as if it's God, if it's not. This is very important to me to doubt my faith. Very important. So let, let's go to the $20 super chat. And uh, it's from Adam J. Clayton, body genius. Doesn't authority usually trace back to someone saying, quote, because I said so. And you have to listen to me because God told me via some dream, vision, close encounter. Mormons make the same sorts of claims. Oh Exist God. Existential trips. Your thoughts, David. Oh my God, uh, mega cringe, mega cringe. You need to understand metaphysics. If you're clumping me in with the, with the Mormons, you have no clue what you're talking about. No offense to you, but uh, their metaphysics is, is whack. It's just, uh, you know, it's atheistic, materialistic, uh, pantheistic uh, uh, nonsense. You know, their, their so-called God is just a man, okay? It's a material being subject to change. You can't compare monotheism with Mormonism. 
no offense to my lovely Mormon friends, okay? But um, uh, what was the first part of the, the question? Some Tracing it back to some man who says, uh, God told me so? Yeah, well, no one makes the claims of Christ. No one. Find me one other person who makes the claims uh, of Christ. And, you know, another, th another aspect of my, of my commitment to Christ that I haven't touched on, which is very, 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 very important, is the example and lives and sufferings and deaths of the saints in every century, every decade of every century. Read the lives of the saints. Just read about St. Paul. Read about his, uh, what he did, you know, his conversion. Look at his life before Christ. Look at his life after Christ. Come to your own conclusion. Look at the apostles. Look at their lives before Christ. Look at their lives after Christ. Come to your own conclusion. If you want to pretend that Christ is a liar, a lunatic, or a lord, I can't help you. We're not, we're, <laughs> you know. Well, I don't know if that's it, a that's great argument because there have been people of other faiths, of other denominations who have become uh, saints, uh, Orthodox saints or Hindu saints or, you know. I revere the Orthodox saints. The All Hindus right. believe, the Hindus, you know, again, if you're going to clump me in with the Hindus, I mean, uh, that's a low blow because the metaphysics is all wrong. They think there only is God. Right. I mean, when it comes down to it, either you believe in God and not God, or you only believe in God or you only believe in not God. Those are those are the three worldviews or the nihilist you, uh, struggle, struggle to meet one who actually doesn't believe in either God or not God. Like that, the true nihilism is hard to come. No, by. But you're but you're answering a different question. And then we'll get to Neil after this. But just to be clear, I'm not arguing for Hinduism. What I'm basically saying is your argument about, well, just because you converted to Christianity, Catholicism specifically, and you do good works and you're a saint, that means that Christianity works. It's like, sure, you could say that it works because people who have adopted that worldview end up doing good things. People who have adopted that worldview also fight religious wars and slaughter people. So that's why that's not a great no, argument no. for me. At no, least. no, 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 no. You've completely missed the point. You've completely missed the point because okay. when the Buddhist or the Hindu or the New Age person, uh, you know, uh, suffers with dignity and has long suffering and has natural virtue and all these sorts of things, you know, you could smile on it and it looks nice and whatever. And they talk about love all day long uh, and forgiveness and everything else and compassion. Uh, yeah, it's nice. But, uh, you know, what if you if you dig a little bit deeper, you got to dig a little bit deeper in what what they believe. Uh, they believe that separation is illusion. They believe that there's only the one mind of God. They, they only believe in God. They they don't believe that you and I and Neil are three <clears throat> truly separate creatures of God. They don't believe that. They believe that you and I are just God expressing ourselves. <clears throat> the analogy I use is the finger puppets. Like I'm the only being and I got a puppet show going on with my finger puppets. It's very entertaining. Okay. That's all it is. It's just a joke. It's just theater. And again, no offense to the monists out there, but monism is a satanic lie because it says you're not in danger. You're not in danger of going to hell because there is no hell. There cannot be separation from God because separation is merely an illusion. So I'd like to hear Neil's thoughts on that if you have time. Yeah, let's talk about hell. Oh, it's interesting. <laughs> um, I, I, well, it's, it looks like when I look at my interpretation, um, it looks like hell sort of progresses in its in its forms over time. And as you get to the Hellenistic age, Plato and the Middle Platonists really, um, like Plato's Republic, for example, he, he talks about the the cosmology of Homer and Hesiod, where you everyone goes to one place hades well you can see this similar idea in the old testament with sheol like for example um samuel is down in sheol 
Okay, so Samuel's not. They don't talk about Samuel going to heaven. He's talking about him going to Sheol and being um, the spirit gets brought back when uh, King Saul is trying to find out what's going to happen. Anyways, long story short, you had this idea, this um, universal Mediterranean med- um, cosmology of Sheol being wherever he goes. But then all of a sudden, it seems like, and this is, I think Plato influenced this, because in Republic he talks about this idea is just terrible. Every, this is not helping the, the children uh, under, become better virtued people. We need a place where we need a place where the good go and a place where the bad go. And all of a sudden, all these theologies start conforming to this, and you start seeing all these Hellenistic age heaven. The Romans definitely do this. The Romans, you know, Caesar rose up into the heavens with Venus. And then the, the there's a different class of beings. I forgot what they call it. Manes, I think it's called. M-A-N-E-S. They go down into a different realm. So there's a separation between good and bad. And Christianity has this all day. Um, so that's my... I, I don't know if that answers your question on, on what I think. Uh, did you ask me about the monism? That we're all just one and we're all just like different expressions? The, the, the only reality is God and the, yeah. the separation is illusion. And God is play acting that he's many. Okay. God's pl- pretending to be many. Uh, so we'll leave aside the question of why would God do that? Just leave that awkward question aside. Okay. And the ultimate reality, if you adopt that worldview, is that I'm not in danger because I'm just God playing around. Okay. And that's how I felt as a solipsist, as a hard solipsist. It's just like, hey, what's all this stuff? Hey, what do these physical hands I seem to have? I know they're not real. I know the other is not real. I know this universe is not real. But hey, how did I get here? I'm God. Did I pretend? How did I trick myself into thinking that I'm not God? You know, and that's what like half the planet's doing today. You know, like half the planet is either New Age, Hindu, Buddhist, or some sort of Eastern, uh, Eastern thought. And a lot of the atheists and agnostics that I talk to, they're very sympathetic to that. You know, it's a nice, it's a nice story. And what I always say to my Hindu, New Age, and Buddhist guests is, hey, if you're right, then I have nothing to worry about. But if I'm right, you're in a lot of tr- you're in a lot of danger right now, okay? Because you're on your way to hell unless you repent, you know. And I don't like to use that uh, stick. I'd rather use the carrot, uh, you know. But you know, it's just it's just reality. Like you need to, you need to slap across the face because if I'm right, you're in a lot of danger. And guess what? If you're right, then I'm not in a lot of danger. It's like this is just theater, right? What is so. what is hell supposed to be like, and how do you avoid going into hell? good question (laughs) yeah hell is unpleasant to put it mildly and you can't get out and it's ever gonna be ever 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 so so even after like all the people are supposed to resurrect on the planet earth the people who are that's when hell begins that's when hell begins because you you okay you raise a really good question for the monist why would god do this well yeah the same question can be posed to why would god create a world where everyone's just going to go to hell unless they Believe, unless their minds are shape, shifted in a way where they can believe in something that didn't that they didn't see with their own eyes. Well, we can we we are without excuse, as Saint Paul says. We are without excuse if we do not conclude from the contingent that there is one and only one necessary being. I'm paraphrasing Saint Paul here, but in Romans one, but uh, basic the basic idea is if we look at uh, causality, if we look at the contingent, if we look at the created world, if we don't conclude that there is a God. Uh, the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then we are without excuse on Judgment Day. So it's it's not like um, it's not like if God, uh, let's say Jesus Christ, the God Man, came down from heaven because he's up there, body and soul. If he came down now and appeared, uh, 
could appear to all three of us. Like he could show up in my room, your room, and your room all at the same time because he could do that kind of thing. Uh, if you were to do that, you just think, wow, I had this crazy experience, whatever. And <clears throat> it wouldn't it wouldn't change your heart because that's not the way heart, human hearts work. That's not the way free will works. There's no coercion in religion. There's zero coercion in religion. If there's coercion, it's just politics, right? There's okay. coercion in politics, but there's no but coercion in religion. Religion's about love. Do you love your creator? Okay, do you know him? Do you love him? Do you serve him? And uh, if you don't know him, you wake up. Just wake up. Look at, look at, where, ask yourself, who am I? Where did I come from? You know, and where did my parents come from? Where did their parents come from? And just ask yourself, where did all this stuff come from? Because it's very ephemeral. It's very fleeting. And just read the, uh, read the classical uh, philosophers and the pre-Socratics. And they're asking these questions, you know, yeah, some sure. of them hit on the right answers. And some of them just came up with a bunch of nonsense. But uh, these are questions that need to be asked. Now, it just sounds like, and I'm, I'm just doing what you did with the monus, where it's like, you're right, we're, we're created with a lifespan of roughly 100 years, or, or give or take, he says 120 in the one text after Moses or whatever. Uh, after uh, Noah, I mean. Um, sure, okay. That's nothing. I mean, that, that's point zero 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 infinite compared to infinity. So... It just seems like, what the hell is the point of all this? Why don't we just have creation and it's all, or we're all in paradise and we all believe <laughs> when you have us all and where you want us to be. You know what I mean? It just sounds, well, it just, it sounds so crazy to me. Yeah. Well, what's the, you're, you're missing part of the story of salvation history, right? You're missing part of oh. the story, which is where God created a good world. He put Adam and Eve in there. Everything okay. was good. And Adam and Eve messed up. That's the part you're forgetting to mention. Get Oops. That. Oops. Okay, it explains, so it explains. it's like, why, why do we see through a glass darkly? Why can't we just have God come up and welcome us to heaven right now? Why do I need to suffer and die? Yeah, but there was no... Why? Why? Yeah, why? Well, there's a Christian answer to that. I think you know the answer. Well, Adam, Adam and Eve believed in God. Sin, sin. sin brought God. death. Sin brought death into the world. Sin brought death. It wasn't God. It wasn't God. It was sin. God doesn't want anyone to perish, right? It was sin. Don't blame God. God. Here's the thing: God can't do anything about sin. Then he has his like his own laws that he has to follow. There's That's good what it news. Like. There's good news. I don't know if you heard about it. I know. I know. News. I knew there's you were going to say news. this. There's good news. There's bad news, and there's good news. So uh, you know, take the good news. That's my advice. But um, you know, I'm being a bit silly uh, with you guys. Obviously, sure, sure. I hope you don't take it to heart. You know, I'm just no. playing playful. I'm being playful. You're fine. You're fine. But uh, you know what I believe. You know that we fell from. That I believe we fell from grace, and that's our fault, and it's not God's fault. And I, I hope that 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 is somewhere deep in your hearts. You you come to at least contemplate that. You know, what is freedom of the will? It's a good gift. Is it subject to abuse? Yes. What happens if we abuse our free will? It's not good. It's not good. Look mm -hmm. at the wars. Look at the, you know, rape, incest. and yeah. the Well, in the, in, the case of, in the case of people who are not able to exercise their will properly, like, for example, there was that South Park episode, Do the Handicapped Go to Hell? I don't know if you're familiar with that one. No. But no. Uh, you, you understand uh, where I'm going with this, right? The idea, like, they had this character, Timmy, who's in the wheelchair, and he could only, like, repeat his name. Timmer! 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 And uh, there was a question that Carpen brought up, I, I believe, where Timmy, being handicapped, not really understanding what's going on, not really being able to accept Jesus into his heart, like, what happens to those humans who are born in that situation? You're asking me? Yes. Well, uh, they're going to end up in one of two places, right? Heaven or hell. 
and I trust God because as you read to me from the dogmas, he's perfectly just, perfectly merciful. I trust him. I'm going to be happy with his decision. I'm going to be happy with God's decision. And by the way, uh, you know, if you look at number 197 or something, one of the dogmas there, it's about predestination, this Calvinistic idea that some men are predestined to heaven, some are predestined to hell. That's a Catholic teaching, okay? Wow. But it's not all, it's not 100% predestined. But some men are predestined to heaven, some are predestined to hell. And, uh, but we do have free will, you know? So um, do I think that I'm predestined to heaven? I hope so. I don't think so, but I hope so. Uh, do I think I'm predestined to hell? I might be, but I certainly hope not. You know, so it's like we because of sin, because of sin, I don't have the clarity. I see through a, a, a glass darkly and I'm very inclined to sin myself. I'm very inclined to selfishness. So um, I'm in a state of uncertainty and anxiety. And if you meet certain Protestants like my friend who's in the live chat, uh, 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 Rebecca, she thinks she's once saved, always saved. She believes that she's righteous because of the righteousness of Christ and she can't end up in hell. Like it's it's amazing. It's see, amazing. That makes more sense to me. The universalist message. Is that what it's called? Universalism? Uh, no, she's not a universalist. She believes that she, because she committed to Christ, that she's saved. She's in. at any point in life, right? Even she's, as like a even as a twelve year old doing confirmation, is that make? That's what I'm saying. Well, that I don't. I don't believe in once saved, always saved. Neither did right. Saint Paul. No, I'm asking. Is that the do Is that what she's? That's like that doctrine, right? Uh, the doctrine of like saved, saved. from her standpoint. Just let's, let's just say for her standpoint. Yeah. Once at any point in your life, if you. At one point in your life, said I believe in Jesus, and then that's it. It's like that's like photoshopped. You're set. You're, you're just, set. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you do after okay. that. That's that. Okay, See, that almost makes more sense to me. Um, then because like it's like you did it. Yeah, but it's then like, what happens to all yeah, the deaf mutes? Die the next day, and then like yeah. nothing. I don't know. I'm just saying. It's just... No, no, no. But that's the important question here, right? Like, if we're talking about somebody who's so disabled that they're not able to understand who Jesus is, what exactly is going on yeah, here? That's another factor. It's like, what? Do they go to hell then? That's exactly. it. Like that. Right. That's their only lot in life. I, I mean, I, I, obviously, I don't condemn anyone to hell that's still alive, or even those who have passed on. Like Hitler's dead. He's long dead, and most people think he's going to hell. I don't think he. I don't presume that he's going to hell. I hope that he's going to heaven. Is it a long shot? Is it a long shot? Yeah, well, it seems well, that, like a long shot, right? That's why if Christ really died for everyone, it would make yeah. more sense that it doesn't matter who you are. You're going, you're saved now. That's That would be like really like, whoa, you saved us all, even though I didn't believe in you. It almost is like, what's the – I don't know. It almost is like, what's the point of even having the sacrifice when you can just say, just believe in God? Yeah. You know? It's too easy. It's too easy. Yeah. Well, well not, not only is it too easy, but it's also too hard for the people who are not able to think the right way as far as handicapped people go. Or if people on a desert on an island who are like in, over in uh, near Australia, yeah. uh, Papua New Guinea sure. plate area, yeah. they don't have any idea but, of Christianity the, or, or of sin. They don't know what any of that stuff. Yeah, or the new Sentinel Islands. They keep they keep on killing all the people who try to tell them about Jesus. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the fact that you love your fellow man, the fact that you love yourself, the fact that you're concerned about the justice of God, I mean, it's kind of cute and silly. Um, and it's naive, frankly, because you don't need to worry about <laughs> justice of God. You know, just uh, God somewhere in the Old Testament said, are you sure it's your ways that are unfair? Are you sure it's not your ways that are unfair? Because the, the Jewish people were saying, oh, God, you're not fair. You know, it's not fair the way the way you do things. And God answers anthropomorphically well are you sure it's me that's unfair are you sure it's not you that's unfair and that's what i say to you are you sure it's god that's unfair are you sure it's not that you it's unfair so um you know that's th this is why i always go back to first things the principles of my faith 
uh, and that's the goodness of God, the infinite mercy and can justice. I, can and I goodness. say something about that point? Because I, I get what you're saying, and I and I'm fine with that. But then you, it's God being a good, all good judge, yeah. And he would, you would think like, okay, let's take this to Earth for a second. A good judge in real life, in real real human judge, looks at a case and weighs the evidence and comes up with the right decision based on what's going on. It's not black yeah. and white. It's not like you did yeah. this. And this is what exactly. you did. Exactly. Exactly. That's you, the way God is too. That's the way God is too. Yeah. It's yeah. Very nuanced. Very nuanced. It's it's but way more nuanced saying. with God. Way more nuanced with God than with okay. any human judge. Way well, more nuanced. If that's the case, then, yeah. then you would think, from God looking at everyone's lives and saying, from your perspective, you know, you weren't really given a good education. No one told exactly. you about Christ. You, you should exactly. get a pass, right? Yeah. No. You think yeah. so? You think God is like that? Of course, hundred oh, percent. Okay. Hundred That makes more sense. 100%, 100%. I mean, you know, uh, the way the way we have to think about religion, like I got my handy dandy book of dogmas, right? The way we have to think about religion is that it's like, you know, rules for for the Christians, like, oh, what should I do? How should I think? What should I behave? And I, you know, it's very much by the book kind of that's one way of being religious, like the Jews of, uh, of Jesus day, you know, very by the book and like, don't worry, we got it covered. You know, we know all the law and we have Abraham for our, for our father and all these sorts of things, you know, this legalistic, rigoristic approach to religion. That's one aspect of religion. There's a good component to it, but there's a lot of man-made garbage in there and ego and just selfishness, frankly, and uh, hypocrisy and, and bigotry. Okay. Um, but the other side of religion is that faith side the spirit of the law and you know love and compassion and all the stuff that everyone on earth agrees about you know when i talk to anyone on my podcast from any worldview they all agree about the basic good stuff right so um and then when it comes to god you know uh god building a church setting certain rules and truths that we can't stray from uh i when i took the leap into christianity into catholicism i said yes to that like yes i will try to conform with the rules and whatever and it's not a burden to me, you know, it's not, it's not difficult for me. I do it out of love and I fall short and I go to confession, whatever. But when it comes to God, God isn't bound by the rules and the books and the dogmas and all these sorts of things. He can do whatever he wants. So if I go around preaching to you guys, you have to believe in Jesus. You have to, you know, join the Catholic church and you have to do this sort of thing. You know, that's understandable from my human perspective, but from God's perspective, <clears throat> he could just do whatever he wants. And if you go to your deathbeds, both of you without, you know, uh, without the sacraments, the Catholic sacraments, I'm not worried about you because God's got you in his hand. He's got, he's got a plan for you. And so there's the human perspective and I have to live like a Catholic and preach like a Catholic. But then I, I understand that God, uh, he, he's above all of that and he could do whatever he wants to do. So I want, I don't want you to paint a picture of, of the Christian religion. Like it's so rigid and tight and, and, uh, and legalistic. Um, there's an aspect of that which is good, but there's also the reality, the higher reality of God and in his infinite wisdom and mercy, he can do whatever he wants to do. And what he does is always good. It's much better than <laughs> what I could preach or, or tell you about. So just bear that in mind. You know? And I'll just, I never actually told anyone this, but when I was a Christian, I used to have, and I never, because I was, I went, when I came, when I went back to Christianity after prison, I didn't go back to the Catholic church. I went to, oh. and, uh, well, I oh. joined a lot of churches. I tried all oh. these churches. I went to evangelical. I in church, yeah. And, you know, but in in prison, did you do it in prison? No, I started in prison. It was um, oh. what was it? Epi I don't know what he was. He's just he a regular Christian. Or... He just okay, came in okay. from the outside. I think he was evangelical, actually. But when I left, 
uh, a friend of mine from high school was a Christian, and I started going to his church. It was just okay. easy to do. I felt weird going back to a church that I haven't been to. Yeah. It was like, hey, I'm that weird kid from back in the day. I'm back. Like, no, I didn't want to do that. Which maybe maybe if I did, I would have stayed. I don't know. Anyways, um, I had this belief in the back of my mind that I could never, no matter what anyone said, I would never, it would never go. It was central to my foundation of Christianity that God is going to surprise everybody and just save everybody because that's that's the goodness of God. I had that belief and I never, I, don't, I just never, I never fought with the pastor over it. I heard his thoughts. It's very legalistic, black and white. Either you believe in Jesus or you don't. And everyone's going to hell if they don't. That was his view. And I just never like challenged that. But in the back of my mind, I always thought there's no way. Like the character that I just read in Mark, Matthew, and John, and Luke, there's no way he would do that. He's going to, what's going to happen is everybody, I don't care if you're Hitler or whatever, they're all going to be saved. That was, that was what I used to think. That's so true. I just want to throw that out there. I think it's rel relative. I never told anybody that. But I always, I always held you. that belief. Thank you for sharing that. And, I, you know, that's people, people misunderstand me sometimes because I, I preach hell. And I'm all about hell and, and God's judgment and judgment day. And you have to be in the part of the church. And there's no salvation outside of the church and all that sort of stuff. Like I take a hard line on all that stuff. But at the same time, like I just told you, I understand it's a lot more nuanced than that uh, like from god's perspective okay so and god has a plan for everybody so uh like with my as an example about how i've got sort of two sides to this of my of my life like when i talk to my protestant friends that think that they're once saved always save saved i say well that's good for you like good for you but i i'm not like you are but i'm not so maybe you get a pass maybe you get a free pass to go to heaven you can do whatever you yeah. want you go to heaven but i can't you know so there's that subjective element there's a subjective element to sure. kind of like what you believe and i spoke about this earlier with the, supr the supremacy of the conscience it's it's real you know like if you sincerely believe in your heart that you're serving god i don't see why god would reject you you know but right. he could because but he a could of, reject a lot you, of people right? a lot of people were a lot of people were abused by priests mm. and stuff like that you know so i mean God knows all of that. He takes all of that into consideration. So, but um, does yeah. but does that even matter? Because if you're if what you're saying is that you're a human being and you're looking at all of this from a human perspective, because yeah. that's the only one you're you're capable of having. Yeah, it's very well possible that God could decide. You know what? All these people who have been abused, molested, so on and so forth in life, I'm going to send them all to hell just because I feel like it. And I'm going to take all the dictators, you know, all the evil people, all the lizard people, and I'm going to put them up in heaven so they could, like, rest and relax. And, you know, Jeffrey Epstein's yeah. going to be up there and whatever. That would be a malv that would be a truly malevolent God that, like, I'd be curious. <laughs> it sounds like a nasty guy. <laughs> no, but just in truth here, like, if we're yeah. saying that whatever we may think God can do is only our puny little human perspective perspective and that really we have no idea what exactly he's going to do like we can never say well god must do it according to this book that we have like ultimately like you said whatever god wants he's the boss and he's going to do that is that yeah, yeah, not yeah, the case the, yeah but but listen to me you know the 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 ancients and the philosophers they talked about this you know is god good because he's conforming himself to the good or, you know, is the good good right. because it conforms yeah. to or whatever. And it's, you know, it's, it was solved once again by St. Augustine who said that it's the very nature of God, right? So it's not like he's looking up in some book, oh, what's the good thing to do? No, he is goodness, okay? This is what so Giorgani was talking about. This is, what's, this is a famous part of uh, Phaedra. Yeah, Socrates yeah, exactly. is going to his trial and he sees Euthyphro. And Euthyphro is the, uh, the high priest, or he's a prophet actually. He's a prophet of the Eleusinian mysteries. 
very famous prophet. And he walk, and they talk, and he's like, and that's exactly what he says to him: "Is God good because he's good, or is he? You know, uh, I forgot exactly how he words it, yeah. but it's, it's yeah, it's basically what you said. It's pretty cool. This is the but question. God, this is the question. Yes. Yeah. Well, the the, the the answer is that it's the very nature of God. Like I said earlier, and you could read in my list of dogmas later. It's it's a dogma. It's a defide dogma that uh, I think it's defide that he's identical with all of his attributes, and all the all the attributes are identical with themselves, with themselves. So even without faith, just just knowing what I know about the attributes of God from from natural reason and philosophy, I know that I uh, that I'm in good hands with God. And that I can't blame him or find fault with him at all, at all, at all. But you and a lot of agnostics and atheists, they have this sort of distrust about God. And so what I always say is, if this God is in any way inferior to you, morally or ethically or whatever, run in the opposite direction. That's not God, right? So yeah. until you find the God that's superior to you, that's infinitely perfect in every pure perfection, until you find that God, the God that I worship, just run away from all the other fake gods because all the fake gods are demons, right? So if you think that God is unjust just a little bit or unmerciful just a little bit, run in the opposite direction. Don't worship him. <laughs> you know? Well, I wouldn't say run in the opposite direction if there are certain things that you conform <laughs> with what you see as being the good. But then when you get, for example, that whole thing about uh, destroying an entire city uh, or the sacrifice uh, of uh, Isaac, you know, the... Uh, pretend sacrifice i guess you could see in the end god decided psych that's not happening but when you get all of these yeah when you get all these qualities that to me seem more like you know just personally speaking more like wait wait, the big one is when the she bears offer those kids that Uh, they they call elijah mm, baldy uh what was that about that's the most randomest thing in the bible there's a lot of stuff like that by the way in judges there's there's a section where one of the benjaminites uh his wife, he gives his wife over to these people. Or no, the Benjaminites are outside. Uh, he gives his wife like over that. to them, and they just like, like uh, yeah, that's the weirdest shit. Ever. That's the worst one. That's the I guess worst God one. didn't have anything to do with that part, though. So that doesn't make sense. No, but, but, God is good. God is. But good. What I'm saying, well, but I guess the question could be: we can end on this too, because I know we. This is a whole. This might open up a whole new worms, but we could be quick. It's like when somebody reads that passage about the she bears killing children. Don't you're 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 saying they should run in the opposite direction, right? Well, I mean, St. Augustine didn't run in the opposite direction. Uh, you know, um, none of the the apostles or the um, or, or even the Jews of Jesus' day or none of the certainly none of the Catholic saints have run in the opposite direction because because they put first things first. And what is the first thing? The first thing is that principle that God is, that God is good, that God is nothing, nothing. There's no fault to be found with God. And so they're not troubled the way that you are. And the way that I was as an anti-Christian, anti-Catholic uh, atheist for 25 years. But you don't have to be anti-Christian, anti-Catholic. I you was. don't have to be anti- I was. I know, I was. No, I know you're saying you were. But my point is that when you're talking about like these dogmas that you could say start, you know, from a very philosophical perspective and then they continue on down to things that at that point you might say, well, you know what, if I accept the good, why the hell should I care about the Trinity and the Pope and all of this stuff? Why can't I just be a good person and also believe or trust that there are things higher than me? But why would I go with this book where it talks about like she bears attacking these kids and all these things? Like, why not just go the philosophical route? Why Actually, take all this we stuff? Added yeah. that. That's a really good point that I was making. Somebody who's just 
completely takes all the stories and myths out of it. No Bible, no no Hindu text, no no Greek mythology. They're just purely living virtuous, believing in something higher, and hoping and, and having faith that if they live virtuous, there's something higher that's going to take care of yeah. them. It's the same stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you just nailed it, you know, because what you said was you, you said a couple of things that were very interesting. At first you said they're good, you know, good people. That's that's indicative of natural virtue. And then you said what I was waiting for you to say, hoping you would say, you talked about, uh, you know, their love for this supreme being and their hope that they have in him and their faith right. that they have in him. It's the, it's the theological virtues of faith, hope and charity without which we can't go to heaven. So I would say that person, that generic monotheist, has the supernatural gifts of faith, hope, and, and charity, and uh, I'm not worried about their uh, their eternal destiny. So then you don't. To me, I don't. I was a generic you know. monotheist before I became a Catholic. I was a generic monotheist. You know, I was not insecure. I had found God, and yeah. you know that that changed my life. And then picking a religion was sort of like an afterthought. It's like I don't yeah. want to be Christian, but. You know, so whatever, then who I'll, cares about, you know, accepting Jesus Christ and all the rigmarole? Like, who cares about any of that? Just why why have that? Why have all of this, you know, Catholic, you know, Pope yeah. and all this stuff? Yeah. It yeah. just seems well, like extra. There are, two, there are two answers I want to emphasize, very important to emphasize. First is, again, that existential sub subjective experience I had where when I discovered God, I felt this impulse, which is just like a very strong craving very counterintuitive because I was always, I was never into groups or ritual, but this craving was, I have to worship God publicly. Okay. That's number, that's component number one. It was like something that grabbed me when I discovered God and I fell in love with God. There was this push for me to public God worship. I have to worship him publicly. So am I going to be a Jew, a Muslim or, or, or a Christian or what? And that was, I had to solve that, that riddle and I did. Okay. And I'm very happy with my, with the way things played out by God's grace. The second component of that is that, you know, there's, um, because your question was, why do we need all the trappings of religion? And why do we need to have a Pope and, uh, and all these sort of messy things that are, uh, you know, distasteful and a bit repulsive, frankly, you know, why was I anti-Christian? Why was I anti-Catholic? Because of the, the, the black legends and because of the hypocrisy of the Christians, because of the, you know, the, the nasty stuff that we read about in the Bible, you know, all that dark stuff. So the, 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 the conclusion that I came to, you know, after embracing God and then committing to Christianity, even though I was anti-Christian, uh, the conclusion I came to was that it's just like in the days of Noah, the people that were invited onto the ark, they said, well, this guy's crazy. This ark is black. It's stupid. He's like putting all these animals on there. It's like, doesn't make any sense. He's saying, it's like we're in a desert and he's saying it's going to rain. And, uh, you know, why would I lower myself to stoop to go into this little doorway into this stupid ridiculous boat and so the key is humility the key is humility and it's pride that kept the people out of noah's ark and it's pride that keeps people out of the catholic church that's my that's my honest sincere opinion it really is because it you there's nothing more humble i can promise you there's nothing more humbling and humiliating than saying hey guys I'm Catholic now. Like, I mean, all my family and friends were like anti-Catholic, either Protestant or, or atheist and whatever. There's nothing more humiliating. And I'm not saying that, um, that, you know, just go out and do the most humiliating thing you can. And that's the path to, to righteousness. No, what I'm saying is that nobody wants to become Catholic. Give me a break, you know? And if you look, if you look at the conversion stories, uh, for example, of Protestants, there's so much pressure, 
so much stigmatization for example right. just to take the example it's like it's painful you have to cut ties with people there's a lot of hatred and people don't understand the church they don't understand yeah, yeah. you know a lot of persecution so uh, i just want to emphasize that humility what humility it takes and not to brag and boast that i'm humble i'm not i'm very proud but uh you know by god's grace i was able to uh to enter into the the ark i love End this of comment TED talk I love this comment, by the way, from uh, Dave the Impaler. Uh, Dave the Impaler, this arc is whack, yo. <laughs> and love your name, Dave. Cool name. And that also reminds me of. Uh, uh, I was working. I'm yeah. working on a video right now about the Proto-Indo-Europeans, and it's really interesting. Right where the arc landed in the text, you have these underground cities built by the uh, mm. Hittites. Even before uh, that, yeah. they, they go back far. And cool. it's in Cappadocia. And I'm almost wondering, like, is this really? But maybe they went underground. Maybe yeah. this is like, you know, obviously. Well, I'm just no, that's thinking... no, that's another thing that Graham Hancock brought up. I remember at a right. lecture that he had. And the idea to me here is that and it goes in a slightly different direction than the humbleness you were talking about, even though I do believe that it is it is good to have that humbleness. The direction I would go into is say, you know what? There probably were ancient civilizations that were wiped out back then. And there were people who tried surviving and there were people who were saying like, okay, guys, it's time to go. It's time to go. I wouldn't say it was just one person. And a legend, a story, a mythology wouldn't talk about, you know, Noah and Fred who lives, you know, in an island over there and, you know, Sam who lives in a neighboring country. Yeah. They would focus on one person because yeah. it fits a good yeah. story. You know, it fits something that's understandable to people. So in my version, I would say there was this thing that was happening. And who knows, there may have been, again, like your version of God. To me, if that God did exist in some form, as far as this, let's say, being who interacted with other beings, I wouldn't put that person, I, I wouldn't put that being as God, as in, you know, what created everything. I would put that being, just personally like Lev here, as an advanced being who knew how he could manipulate society and how he could bring people to believing in a certain thing. And I do believe that just because of the vastness of at least what I take to be the reality of the solar system and galaxies and so on and so forth, and the absolute minusculeness as well of life, like when it comes to what we can see through a microscope, I believe that whatever we think we know is going to be superseded by other beings but i wouldn't go as far as to say the being that's going to be doing stuff with us and manipulating us and you know interceding in history is necessarily the god almighty i would leave room for the idea that there would be other advanced beings out there who are way smarter than us who could probably travel in ways that we couldn't even begin to fathom aliens who I mean, you could call it, you know, I'm not saying that, no, I'm not saying that it's aliens. Maybe you're but... Mormon. Maybe you sound like a Mormon. That's, that's kind of what they believe. You never know. No, but here's the, here's the thing that I'm getting to here is that there are so many mysteries in life. And I love trying to uncover those mysteries, try and figure out what exactly they are. And I know like this is Jason Giorgiani's big point as well about what he thinks that uh, God is, you know, the Elohim being plural, for example. You know, to him, all of this goes back to this congregation of advanced beings who were called gods by the Sumerians and so on and so forth. And they're the ones who are kind of uh, manipulating things behind the scenes. To me, that's much more realistic than to say that the God who created everything is the one that's, uh, you know, tricking 
uh, Noah into killing his own kid while then saying psych later on. And it wouldn't be and wouldn't Abraham. Abraham, Sorry about that, Abraham. And it wouldn't be the same God who would command the Hebrews to uh, destroy uh, destroy that city. So that's what I'm getting to here. Like a lot of these attributes, it seems to be a combination of things that were talked about in other religions. uh, You know, for example, Zoroastrianism, as far as the end of days and things like that go, as well as the idea of this dualism of good versus evil, mixed in together with maybe certain beings that were manipulating us for a long time. Yeah, there's another point to be made here, which is that whole dualism of good and evil. You know, it's not like uh, some grand battle between good and evil where evil has some substance or reality. Evil has no substance. Evil is uh, privation of the good. And so, you know, we have health and then illness is a privation of, of that health. And we have heat and then cold is a privation of that heat and so on and so forth. Uh, this is well established very early in the, in the Catholic philosophy, you know. So uh, we it's a it's a Gnostic idea that there's good and evil, you know, because evil uh, in the Christian worldview has no substance. This is part of the reason why the problem of evil is not really a problem at all, you know. It's just like, you know, we can we can go towards the light or we can turn away from the light, and if you if you deprive yourself of the light, you're in the darkness. I mean, that's all it is. The darkness mm-hmm. has no substance, you know. So, uh, I, so I think it's very important to emphasize that. By the by the way, um, wait, who is it? Marcion, yeah, Marcion cites Epicurus for his reasons on why he thinks Yahweh was. Well, I wouldn't call him the. He didn't like necessarily. People say people misread Marcion as saying that Yahweh was like the evil devil in opposition. But he's more like a a created being underneath the Sophia, mm-hmm. which is like he just is like a dumbass. Basically, he's like a daemon. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, it's not like this what everyone thinks. But anyways, the point I'm making is, like, you see the Epicurean thought influencing the Gnostics big time. Mm. When and Which is kind of weird because the Epicureans are, like, the proto-atheists in some sense. Like, they're almost, like, they're, they're very scientific, very rigorous, very atoms versus void rather than platonic forms, mm. that type of stuff. And it's, it's yeah. odd that the Gnostics, who are the knowers, uh, draw from them, you know? And by the way, there was a comment over here. Um, let me see if I could find it. Oh, from Gateway, who says, who or what created the aliens? So that is a thing that people bring up. Like when I talk about sure. there being other advanced beings, my interpretation of that, just again, just mine, is that the advanced beings would have come around from more of a Rudolf Steiner um, idea of thought congealing into matter over time. And those beings would be more advanced. And then as we get stuck more in corporeal materiality we get addicted to being reborn by the way i do lean on reincarnation existing by the way because uh, to me it makes a lot more sense you know especially like with the handicapped people for instance you know like you get another chance another chance to kind of build on whatever happened before but anyway when you have uh these thoughts well, I want to say something to you sure. because you're doing you're doing something that david you're just preferring this is a sure. <laughs> yeah, it's just a preference. It's and just a preference. That, you know? That's what we should do. That's what we should yeah. do. I like that way. I but like the different no, but the difference I'd say is that even though it's a preference, I am willing to and I'm okay, I'm not saying David you're not willing, but it does seem like it's way harder. It's way harder you're more, to you're more open. Pull I'm you. more closed now. I'm more closed now, yeah. closed minded now than ever. But but and... you are humble. But you are humble. 
and there there is by the way this uh to finish this off because this is a fascinating discussion but i sure. think now it's time to finish it off uh with uh, the lyrics from amish paradise because you were talking about humbleness oh, i love it hitching up the buggy churning lots of butter raise the barn on monday soon i'll raise a nutter think you're really righteous think of your pure in heart well i know i'm a million times as humble as thou art i'm the pious guy the little omelets want to be like on my knees day and night scoring points for the afterlife so don't be vain and don't be whiny or else my brother i might have to go medieval on your hiney that's good i saw weird al in concert here in montreal it was amazing oh nice Imagine. and when i let my hair down that's what i look like i look like weird al nice uh, and with that, guys, this Respect. is the end. Let's do our uh, plugs. So, David, CVS Podcast, Catholic versus Podcast. Please tell us a little bit about that and what you got coming out, brother. I'm just interviewing buttloads of people, a lot of new age people recently. I'm finding them on Podmatch. But I, I interview all kinds of people, Christian, non-Christian, and it's, it's just amazing. Come over to my YouTube channel. I think you can find it in the link there. My website's really neglected since last September. It's like I'm a one-man show. I work full-time in construction, so I just do this as a hobby, and I'm, I'm way behind on that and my Apple podcast and stuff like that. But the YouTube, if you want to be up-to-date, watch my uh, go to my YouTube channel. That's it. Oh, and before uh, Neil, another another sizzler from Dave the Impaler here. Those handicapped people were Bolsheviks and SS officers in their past life. Don't feel bad for them. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Neil, what do you got to plug, my man? Gnostic Informant on YouTube, and I have a second channel where I put up clips and um, compilations of my content that over the time. So there's two channels, but uh, mainly just Gnostic Informant. Look it up. I spend I do documentaries, interviews, sometimes live. I haven't been live in a while, but I'm, I think I'll start doing it again. And yeah, that's it. Excellent, guys. And you could find me on uh, X at Love Poe. And if you guys enjoyed this, make sure you like right now. Smash that like button. Smash the subscribe button. Make sure you click the bell. The bell is very important for getting uh, updates on the next uh, BTR episodes. And uh, we're going to be coming out uh, this coming week with probably one of the greatest BTR episodes of all time. It was filmed live in New York City with me, Jason Giorgiani, and Gnostic Informant Neil. The two, the three of us got to meet finally, all three of us for the first time in New York City. We were hanging out there. We were going, eating, drinking. It was awesome. We even got the tour of the Metropolitan Museum, and that was... Yeah. That That's was cool. amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, be sure to look out for that episode. And if you go to patreon.com slash break the rules right now, you can also watch the Patreon exclusive episode of the uh, live stream with Jason Giorgiani that we shot in the uh, same day and how it works. And we're going to do a lot more of these afterwards as well is the patrons get to ask questions to uh, Dr. Giorgiani and Gnostic Informant and get the answers. And it was a really nice uh, jam session there. So if you want to watch that exclusive episode, go to patreon.com slash break the rules right now. It's going to be at the uh, tippy top there. And uh, that's it. Subscribe, like, bell, all that good stuff. We're going to see you guys later. Mwah.